0: That's pretty much what it is. Sam, you afterwards you gotta say something about like, no, I didn't actually rank these guys. <laughs> just off a consensus board. According still to better than the Raiders.
1: According, yeah, to, Todd McShay, according, according to, to
0: Todd McShay.
1: According <laughs> to Todd oh, McShay. Todd
0: McShay Sam
2: I've equipped these guys right before. You should put it. You should put this audio sound into this. By the way, um, I'll okay. As soon as I'm done ranking. No, Sydney. See, I'm a Dad. a genius? And I can kind of remember. Dad has
0: to tell the masses who can play football and who can't. <laughs> because I fucking said so. <laughs> Why is Sky Moore the best receiver on the Chiefs? Because I fucking said so, okay?
1: The Flyover State Sports Show is for a mature audience. It contains strong language in adult situations. We do not own the rights to any audio of the podcast. Viewer discretion is advised. Is this on?
2: welcome back to the fly State sports show i am your well rested host sam long and i am joined by two lovely individual gentlemen caleb the bean jews and gavin alexander
1: what's up gents
2: and the crowd goes mild It
0: it feels like this is the first time in like a couple weeks we've actually been able to get all three of us onto the same podcast uh, you know what
1: um, we had to do last week? We had to replace you with like four other guys. You know how hard well, that is. I mean, that's yeah. what
0: you got to do to replace this dump truck. I
1: <laughs> so, man has got a
2: thick ass, is what he's saying. Awesome. That was too many guests. do all the go. guests who were on, I know you're listening. That was too much. We're never doing that again. We nah.
1: love you all. We'll bring. We'll bring you on one at a time. We promise.
2: Yeah. No. Next
0: time. Fuck them. Um, you guys couldn't afford me and you tried to replace me in the aggregate. And then that
1: didn't work. So
2: now it worked
1: here. for Kansas City. You, you know what it reminds <laughs> me of?
2: You, know, you <laughs> know what this reminds me? Do you guys remember um, 22 Jump Street? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You remember the post credit scene where they start going through all of the other Jump Street? Like 23 Jump Street. Yes. Like, foreign Affairs or like 25 okay, yeah. Jump Street. Medical school. And there's that one part where it's like 31 Jump Street, and it's like Seth, uh, not Seth Rogen. It is Seth Rogen, isn't it?
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, it's like Seth Rogen is in for, instead Jonah Hill, and it's like, oh, what are you doing here? It's like nothing to do with the contract dispute. And then like Jonah Hill comes back to 31 Jump Street. And it's like, hey, I'm like really happy back. It's like, yeah, what we'll contract dispute? Never happened. <laughs> That's what, uh, that's what that reminded me of last time mm-hmm. but no but spe- we really do appreciate cats land and white coming on we're just too many cooks in the kitchen sometimes gavin is just gone by the way no i'm here i was typing gavin is <laughs> back, by the
1: way. gavin gavin was produced gavin was producing our show that week
2: yep we, I don't
1: we
0: know sent know it I
2: down to, to the monkeys board. uh software <laughs> America. they were <would> just typing <laughs> it away on their computers <laughs> Bang a make make show good. So we have a really exciting show for you guys, um, if you couldn't tell by a stalling for time. Um, we're going to go over the Chiefs and a quick recap of free agency for them. We're going to talk about the NFL draft coming that season. We'll give our top fives on offense, but first, we've got to talk about the Madden. Of March, God, March Madness was this week, and it was a banger. I fucking it love March because it's always I, a banger.
1: I love March, Mark, This is this is like, is, is this the second best time of year? Like,
2: no, it's the best. sports.
1: It, is it like no? It's Super the Bowl, like Super Bowl, and no, then like, no. You, you think it's number one?
2: The first, the first four days of March Madness.
1: It's glorious.
2: All of the sports events. Like, it's glorious. The, the, the biases the take I've had for a long time. The Super Bowl is a one-day event for a really big game that your team may or may not be playing in for teams that you may or may not care about. It's
1: true. It's true.
2: With some to little intrigue on your part, depending how big a fan you are, everybody gets hyped when Furman beats Virginia like everyone gets, hyped oh my god! didn't makes it to the Sweet Sixteen. Like it's a national thing. Yeah, I, I was listening to Colin Coward, and he made a good point. You know, if you have a Super Bowl between Philly and Kansas City, everyone in like those areas really care. All the football fans care too. But like, it's hard to have like those connections. The tournament, there are schools from fucking everywhere,
1: and all and all levels too. Like. I couldn't tell you where Farley Dickinson, what conference they're in. You know, like, I would have never known. They're in the... Oh, NEC, uh, North, Northeast Conference, yeah, something
2: N- like that? NEC, Northeast Conference.
1: Yeah, yeah and, and... he
2: was in that conference.
0: the The NFL does a really, really good job of, like, being at the forefront of the news cycle. And, like, they, like, keep you in the front of your minds. We live in the, like, most, the easiest time in the world... In the history of the world to just intake information and all of the information as fast as possible. And it still feels like you can't with March Madness because there's so That's much bad. going on Oh, the in the entire fucking weekend. The just the entire time games are happening from sun sun up to sundown. It's yeah. just shit yep. happening.
2: It's literally it's all day. So it's from lunch midnight
1: <laughs> so when i so when I, t- I took a picture and sent it to you guys we, we i was in my boss's in tyler's office and we had a screen up on the wall we had my ipad going we had a laptop going two computers like it was beautiful i loved it i didn't get anything done that day and then i didn't work for friday and all day friday all i did was watch games so it was like exactly. dude and here's the thing
2: so like point one i walk in i go to wichita this week hang out with the friends, you know, we're watching basketball this whole week. I walk in, and they got two TVs set up, two computers set up, and I'm bringing in a TV with an Xbox. We got like five TVs slash uh, computers on, and we're putting like the hits on. Like a men's game, because like the women's tournament's going on too. So like men's game, it's like a 20-point game. We're flipping on some women's game that's like a five-point game in the fourth quarter. Like you can't watch all of it. Like no possible and
1: it's and awesome
2: but like the thing is basketball is very much the best sport because like anyone can play basketball and yeah. it's super simple to its core like dribble ball shoot ball <laughs> Don't sometimes like it's worth one,
1: someone. sometimes it's worth two, sometimes it's worth three and teams win go berserk buzzer beaters.
2: Yeah, like dude, it it, it is the simple they're like the the rules for basketball are like so simple. It's like don't camp in the paint. Get it past this line this fast. Don't take it back behind this line. Don't like mug someone and like get the ball in the hoop without like taking too many steps.
1: I think there's a couple of people that work in this profession that would like to beg to differ, but that's besides the fact. <laughs> as we go on. Uh, that's over the back. No, it's not. That's called a push. Learn the terminology. Sorry. Yeah,
2: there. There's a – I mean, again, it, it's not as simple as I say. But, like, basketball is the one sport where, like, right now, if, like, you were going to – if you were going to, like, go play something – Yes, guys, it's basketball and it's soccer because it's the two easiest things to do. Because all you need is a ball and like a receptacle, which yeah, a goal or a hoop. Right, football. It's like ah, you want to go play some seven on seven two hand touch? That's like what the watered down version of this. Yeah, baseball. It's like hey, who has a fucking baseball bat and everyone's gotta have a fucking mitt.
1: And, and not and 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 nine players like
2: yeah, bro. Like you can't like it's so hard to play baseball because you need so many dudes. Like you can literally just go play two on two basketball and it'll work. Yeah. Yes. Yes. We love March Madness. What was everyone's favorite moment? And don't say any of the Kansas school stuff because, like, we'll talk about Ooh. that immediately after.
1: Um, I I don't know if this is recency bias, but it it, it is the story of Farley Dickinson. Like they weren't even supposed to be in the tournament and then they win their first round and then go on to beat the number one seed, go against Florida Atlantic and play a really good game. So that that's, that's, I I know that's recency bias. I probably stole somebody's pick, but that's by far bar none. I I
0: don't think it's recency bias. That's exactly where I was going. Um, I mean, we've, uh, now seen twice, I believe. I think that's the correct uh, uh yep. sixteen or a sixteen seed over a one seed. As when I, I remember watching it, just saying like like holy shit, this is like history that we are watching here because this this just does not happen. Um, I do think uh, not to get us sidetracked, but like I think that like that type of stuff. It see everybody says this every single year. I don't want to like push this too much, but like. There's been a lot of upsets this year. I think transfer rules, you're going to see like the playing yes. field continue to level across college mm-hmm. basketball, which is going to make a like sport that like already has a shit ton of variance get even worse in a one game sample size. Not worse worse as in like just more variance. Good teams are no longer as good, bad teams are no longer as bad. Everybody's kind of the same.
3: Yep. Um, I
1: think that's better. No it I, is. It depends what you want. I, I want, I want, I want those upsets. I, I want, you know, it, it, and like how you said it, Um. you know, the, the one seed and the, you know, eight seed don't mean anything anymore, but by golly, I want to see that 16 seed beat the one seed. Like it, it's it, just because it's a, from a numbers thing. It's cool to watch. It's yeah. cool to see. Yeah. Nobody expects it. Well, so I think the one thing
2: to your point, Gavin, is I think you see a lot more variance in those early rounds. I would say, and I, I wouldn't put, like, my house on it because UConn's won some dumbass natties. But it's very likely that the team that ends up winning this natty is one of, I believe, five teams left. There's five teams that, like, met Kempom's metric thing that I was talking about to where it's not, like, anything that would be, like, out of the ordinary. Like, you got Bama, you got Houston. There's still one one seeds. You got Houston, who's – or Houston, I already said Houston. You got uh, UCLA as a two seed. You got Creighton somehow, who, like, is very likely to make it to the lead eight at this point because of, you know, Princeton's ride, run that they're going to yep. And then I can't remember who the last two are. It, one of them was KU, and I can't remember who the other <laughs> one was. Um. Cool and it's and it's also it a cool matter. time fuck it doesn't matter back to me <laughs>
1: It's also a cool time because like people try to reasonably explain things and it doesn't work, you know, (laughs) it it doesn't matter. Like all logic aside, it doesn't fucking matter. And And in the end, 18 and 22 year olds, like, yeah, they're trying to
2: environment where like, if they fucking like, don't win, like they're going to go down as like failures.
1: Nobody gives a shit about college basketball for the previous, nobody gives a shit about college basketball for the previous four months, except for your team. And then when it comes to bracket time, it's like, oh, but this team is going to win. This because they are you know eighty five percent at the rebound and ninety two percent at the free throw and it's like no no it doesn't fucking matter it's who's ever the best fucking team at that point in time whoever pours their it, fucking heart out it's it's it, that that's why I love it a lot more I think the it's, last team
2: I was talking about might have been Texas by the way one of those five teams is probably gonna win the Natty and like they'll just be one of the good teams wins the Natty but like who cares like you're there for the madness right, right. yeah it's it's hard to put into words what march
0: madness means for college basketball because of exactly what beans is talking about there's so many games leading up to march madness in basketball it almost just like de-emphasizes the like every single game along the way similar to what like problem baseball has but like the uh, march madness's ability to like have this sort of hype the excitement everything towards the end it it's what keeps college basketball relevant and, like, fun and a major part of our culture as Americans. And, like, it. that is so fucking important for basketball, and I love it for basketball, too, because it's here to
2: stay. And it, Mar- March Madness is the best. And the song's like it's, – it's the song. It's the one shining moment. It's the – it's the moment you see people still – I still remember, like, Lehigh meeting with Duke. I was sitting in – Oh, my gosh. I was sit, sitting in a steakhouse with my dad in Kansas City, and, like, that's before streaming. So, like, yeah. we're literally, like, you couldn't stream it. You had to watch it on TV, and we're literally following, like, the shot chart. Mm-hmm. Like, de- like, within the last four minutes, like, at this nice-ass steakhouse. <laughs> my phone's just here, and a waiter kept coming back, like, every two minutes because he was like a duke-hater. And oh, my kept gosh. And he in on us to see what the score was. Like, that is March Madness right there.
0: And we, we talk about the moments for all of these uh, teams and, like, everything across the nation, but still we care significantly about the moments specifically to our Kansas teams. Um, yeah. I'm not sure where we want to go first, but we had some massive moments for both teams, some good and some bad.
2: Well, I think it is important to go by alphabetical order, and I believe that that means that Kansas goes first. Well, you had a shorter version of their tournament than last year. They won the national title last year, obviously. They were trying to become the first team since the 07 Florida Gators to repeat as national champions. By the way, that team was on crack. They had Joakim Noah, who was an all-NBA player, Al Warford, who is an all-star, and Corey Brewer, who – in the NBA for fucking ever. Yeah. They had one other guy, too. I can't remember. I think it was like Willie Green. Willie Green was in the NBA for a cup of coffee. Yeah. But so KU went out and they played Howard in the first round, who was 16 seed. And they kind of let Howard hang around for a little bit, but eventually put on the afterburners. And then they ran to Arkansas, who Katz did mention was kind of a rough matchup. For KU, and that proved to be the case as Arkansas came de- back from an eleven-point deficit and ended up beating KU by like two
1: points. I think it was. It was, it was one, one. It was one. It was it one point? Seventy-two, seventy-one, something like that.
2: Yeah, there were a lot of massive moments in that game. Um, Basic, the most of it being Davis hitting a lot of shots for Arkansas, then eventually Council hitting some big shots. Um, And really kind of the three big moments that stand out to me, or the two big moments that stand out to me are, one, after the, uh, I believe it was rookie council, missed a free throw. It was him or Davis, I can't remember. Uh, KU failed to secure the rebound, allowing Arkansas to shoot two more free free throws to go up by three. And then before that was the Dwan Harris over and back, or 10-second violation, that's what it was. So, I mean, in one possession games, those kind of mistakes are highlighted by an exceeding margin. So, what did you guys – what did you guys think?
1: Well – I'm going to be honest. I was at a wedding during the KU game. So I lost the very last minute of the game. I, all I was told was, uh, all I was told was, Hey, KU's down. I'm like, Oh shit. (laughs) So we're about wedding. It was my cousin. And congratulations. Congratulations to the D waltz. Uh, it was a great wedding and everything, but they were doing, (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure they've heard that before, but anyways, like, uh, that we were getting ready for the reception and stuff like that, and um, they were like, "Oh, it's time to get ready for the announcements and stuff like that." And it's like, nah, fuck this! The KU game is on," <laughs> and so turn it on, and everybody goes berserk because our whole family is K State fans. And as soon as as soon as uh, the buzzer went off, it was just everybody was Wah! It was hilarious. So I
0: I also wasn't able to watch much of the game. I don't really have anything to add. I. I, I legit, yeah I, you guys know how I was doing this weekend. Yeah this uh, the, it really did um, KU losing, Duke losing in the same weekend. Um, and it kind of coming and just, the feeling of there not being like an elite college basketball team. I know Sam has talked about this uh, earlier this year. Um, kind of just goes back to what I was kind of talking about before. That was really my only takeaway was just feeling like college basketball is just really, really even right now. And Ku kind of got—I don't want to say the crappy end of the stick there, but there's a lot of variance in basketball, and uh, I mean, it it just—it sucks. But it's one—it's one game at a time, and uh, here Ku's time to battle.
1: here. Arkansas's like that, you know. It's just like this team this year—they're—they're just like that. They're gritty, they're tough, and you know that coach Musselman
2: all the time, man. That team, yeah. That that, Musselman runs a system that is just flat
1: out go. Yeah. And, you know, it just they could be down by a lot and it don't matter because <laughs> they're just going to go all grass, get ga- all gas, no breaks, man. It's crazy. So they play yeah. a good form. They play a good form of basketball. Yeah,
2: And he's been doing that since he was in Nevada. Um, I guess I'll give my two cents and then we can move because you guys failed to do your job and watch sports as a sports podcast co-host.
1: Fire um, me. Fire no. me. I, I dare you're, you. You're
2: irreplaceable, Beans, because you do all the editing.
1: <laughs> you guys are irreplaceable, too, because you're the content. Aww. Aww.
2: You can replace me,
0: but it takes four other people.
1: <laughs> hey, please.
2: <laughs> Anyways, um, I think one of the things that might be true, I mean, l- l- let's call a spade a spade. Bill Self wasn't coaching these last two games with Norman Yeah. Robert and... Look, I'm sure Norm Roberts is a really good coach. Um, I'm for damn sure that Norm Roberts currently isn't a Hall of Fame basketball coach. So, we're we're not going to – college especially, coaching is important. And, like, not having Bill Self is a major, like, thing. Eric Russell – That hurts. Really coach. Norm Roberts is, like, probably an average coach. He got hired on to be St. John's coach for a little bit. So, he's, like – Power six qualified, but like he's not bill self. So, I mean, I think that's a big reason why like KU just didn't feel like themselves because they didn't really feel like themselves against Howard in the first like 20 minutes of that game. And then they put on the afterburners because Howard stinks. Sorry, but it's true. No, it's true. Arkansas just kind of came back. I think those self not being there is a big reason. And two, Katz has told us this before. KU's depth stinks. Like, they don't have, like, a lot of bench players. And the biggest problem with that isn't the whole, like... Because everyone shortens the rotation up. You can look at K-State's box score, too. And, like, maybe usually, like, a one-minute, like, in the game against Kentucky. Like, that dude used to start. Like, he's pretty much out of the rotation at this point, other than needing a warm body. Like, everyone shortens their rotation for these games. Because they're important games. But KU doesn't need to shorten the rotation because they've been playing with this rotation the entire fucking season. So I think a lot of I think think KU kind of ran out of gas towards the end of that game. They're already kind of gassed out from just having this hard season with not a lot of depth. And suddenly you're coming against this fast-paced like go-at-you type team. Especially when you have to do the wash. It's just a pain in the fucking ass on. Defense. Oh my God. Yeah. Wash, Wash is a really good player and Arkansas got really good players. They were supposed to be like, they were supposed to be like where K-State is right around now, like three seed, two seed. Like they have NBA guys. Like it's a really yes. talented team that just kind of underachieved. So, I mean, KU kind of ran up. It, it's similar in a way to that Wichita state team, right? Yeah. I wish all state team kind of ran into a Kentucky team, that a bunch of five-star recruits and future lottery picks. They just happened to not be very good during the regular season because they like pulled their puds the entire time. And then eventually Julius Randle and uh, – what the hell was his name? The Harrison? Uh, no, this was before the Harrison. No, wait. This was with the Harrison Twins. The Harrison yeah. Twins were on that. But I'm thinking James Young, that's who it was. Mm-hmm. So what people forget is James Young was, like, the second best player during that run. And everyone forgets that because James, because Andrew Harrison hit the shot against Wisconsin and uh, the previous team they played. I can't remember who it was. But um, James Young, like, went 13th in the draft. Like the yeah. Like, that offseason. Like, James Young was awesome. He was a sniper. But they had the Harrison twins. Dakari Johnson was on that team. Julius Rain was on that team. And they were good. They just like were too young and dumb and full of cum to like actually fucking put it together during a regular season. Yeah. <laughs> so, so so they K okay, you kind of got off stated if we're being honest. Yeah. But that that, that yeah, and I think really it, all you can say at the end of that is K okay, you got another Big Twelve title. It's a little bit of an underwhelming season, especially given. Their seeding, especially considering KU, like what they expect, the, the,
1: the prestige and like where they've been yep. for the past I couple mean, it, seasons, it's
2: underwhelming for sure. Um, but I think you kind of have to understand that with Bill Self, they probably win that game, and they're probably still competing for the national championship. And really, all we can say is, "Uh, good luck on your recovery, Coach Self," and I hope that uh you're able to uh, continue to coach. I hope you didn't coach your last game because that'd be a really shitty way to go out. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I, you want to retire on your own accord.
0: I I think what, what the takeaway is there is um, I actually don't respect Bill Self doing it at all because, or, or KU for this, because according to the uh, Coach of the Year candidate, Coach Tang, uh, Bill Self is not a Coach of the Year candidate, so he, I'm taking his word here. He says he doesn't do anything um, it's just about having dudes. So KU just doesn't have dudes. We only have dudes because uh, your not State Wildcats are going to the Sweet Sixteen, guys.
2: KU yep, is going to the Sweet Sixteen as they defeated Kentucky seventy-five to sixty-nine. I think was the final score. Something.
1: Yeah, like something like that.
2: Um, brickfest all around for both teams. Those rims! Oh my god. That it
1: was really the eight. worst shooting I have seen in a
2: minute. There was a lot of bad shooting in Greensboro. Pretty much, the game was mostly back and forth. Marquise Noel pretty much kept K State afloat until they figured out how to hit three point shots. Ishmael drains a deep one for his only field goal make of the day, which gave K State the lead and never looked back. And then Keontae Johnson, who had a horrid shooting day from outside of the paint. Hit a step back three on the same wing that Ish shot it. And those six points pretty much propelled K State to a win. This, um, this it kind this, of was one sorry. of those games where it was whoever figured out how to shoot threes first won. And K State eventually kind of figured it out.
1: It, it, it felt like games. a bunch of haymakers were just being thrown and like you would miss. And then another haymaker would be thrown, and you would miss. And then you would land a haymaker, and then another haymaker, and you'd get hit again. And it's just like back and forth the whole fucking game. So you know what it felt like. So
2: what you're describing is like a heavyweight boxing match, right? Yes, yes. But like a heavyweight boxing match, just dudes going at it, just fucking haymakers. And those are those games where teams just make a big-ass fucking shots like the whole game. That felt like a barstool rough and rowdy fight. Yeah, Where yeah. they're just, like, throwing bad punches and, like, not actually landing anything. And it's just gross, and both teams are tired afterwards.
0: So, I, I agree with you. But on the other hand, this uh, this is one of the best games I've seen K-State play front to back this season. And what I thought they did so well offensively was, like, you can find threes. We're taking threes. Some of them were good looks. Some of them were bad looks. But, like, regardless, we were taking them, not hitting them. That was just consistent until the end of the game. But throughout the game, the reason we were able to stay in the game was we did such a fucking incredible job of just finding easy buckets. Just throughout the game, we'd find a uncontested duck, uncontested layup, just yeah. some sort of, like, easy jumper, 15 feet. Just all that, like, easy stuff that we just found throughout the game. And Kentucky kind of did a lot of the same stuff. But when we would get going, our are just our streaks were just hotter than the stuff Kentucky was able to get going on. The momentum that we would build was just a little bit more when we played from behind for the majority of the game. But us being able to go on those runs kept us in the game until we got hot from three and we're able to pull away.
1: So the the game like I feel like we slayed the dragon in whatever that guy Winnebago, whatever however you say his name. And Boy, Oscar that guy. Oster Sheehy, and so like, that guy is a rebounding machine, and correct, he's a big strong ox dude was, you know I was going into this game like, you know like, I'm sure Tang can draw something up here, and like, we could somehow limit his rebounding ability, you could draw up whatever the fuck you want, he's gonna get his boards, it don't fucking matter
2: 25 rebounds against Providence Beans I don't know what you thought Tang was
1: gonna draw up (laughs) I don't I, and I was like, oh, Tang. I, I've never watched Kentucky play. So I couldn't say like, oh, Tashihi t- t- was going to, you know, do whatever. And so I, I just thought and watching the game there, it was like, I think Tang's game plan was just stick to what we do best. You know, there was no g- it was just like, do what we do best, go 100 miles per hour and don't fucking stop.
0: I'm, we're faster we're more athletic than them and,
1: and yeah, did, did just, you notice that there there'd just be runs just back and forth back and forth back for like 10 minutes it was just crazy it felt like we were more cup the thing i like about k-state
2: this year is it really feels like we're fairly comfortable playing any style of basketball except for like zone that's that's the weird thing. Is like well, that's good. why would you run?
1: Running, why would you run zone when your man to man is lethal? You know they have probably one of the best man to man defenses. I'm, I'm saying like when a defense plays zone. Uh, oh, yeah. oh, gotcha. I thought you said when we were playing I, zone. I was like, why would you? I,
2: like, I, I don't think we do a good job against zone. And like, yeah, I mean, Kentucky probably doesn't practice any zone. That that's no, because
1: the way they like, like to run their like, offense, the way the way Kentucky likes to run their offense, I think like. You know, they don't want to be in that zone. They want to be in man-to-man where they can get off the break faster. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you there. Yeah, but. No,
2: you're, you're good. I mean, again, but I'm just saying, like, I, I don't know, whatever. We're, we'll talk about the matchup next week. But, like, that's something that I think Tom Izzo is going to practice. And that's why yes. I didn't play Tom Izzo. Um, but I think, really, when you look at this game, it because not a lot of shots were falling, because, like, you know, it was just kind of a rock fight in that sense. It was really interesting to see the contrasting styles of how we were getting points. K State's offense was a lot of dribble drive, a lot of pick and roll into dribble drive, and creativity from Noel and like cutters and everything. A lot of what Kentucky was doing is they did some pick and roll and dribble drive too, but a lot of it was like deep entry into the post because Shebry is, is so strong and like we just don't have anyone like that thick. Like we got tall dudes and long dudes. Like, we got the length, but he has curve. Yeah. So, yes. like, but, and then a lot of it also is offensive rebounding. They had, like, a ton of offensive rebounds, a lot of points up of offensive rebounds. So, it was really just kind of more finesse versus power, almost. And that was, pro- and you know, styles make fights is the old boxing adage. So, I think that's kind of why the game felt so yes. you know, very good.
1: It was nice to see Noel get the recognition I think he deserves.
0: I that that was mm-hmm. what I wanted to talk about because I mean, Sam had mentioned earlier he's like really the player that keeps us in the game throughout the game.
1: Kind Correct. Of like,
0: he's the cog of the machine for the entire first half, the majority of the second half. When uh, the sequence that comes to my my like head is the last couple minutes before half, where we get we we've been behind the majority of the first half and we get uh our defense starts creating some turnovers we start uh speeding up the game and i remember uh turning and saying like uh Kentucky's in trouble and pretty soon you got the behind the back pass you got the between the legs pass then yep. you got the oop to end the end the half and all of a sudden the momentum is completely changed in just a couple yep. plays and none of none of them were like big shots or anything that's all just like gimme stuff that we're creating for fucking fun cuz what we can and i I don't want to like take us away from the game, but seeing a guy like Noel who stuck through all the stuff with Bruce, the way that that all ends uh, a guy like if succeed in that situation as well. Mm -hmm. I it's also, I, I want to point out as well, just like how special of a place K-State is where two guys like that can be through that succeed. We just went through a football season with a guy like Will Howard succeeding after everything he'd been through our, uh, Running back Deuce Vaughn on the football team literally is going to the NFL draft and is getting made fun of because he's only five five, but has been outstanding player for us in every sense of the way. These uh, like almost forgotten about guys, guys that have just been through shit that have stuck it out and uh, just gutted it out, have been outstanding players, and I can't like we can't put into words how important for the culture of K State basketball and the future culture of K State basketball how how important ish and Marquise Noel have been, but, like, those guys, those guys are the reason five years from now why K-State is go why K-State basketball is going to be viewed the way that it is. They're the reason why K-State basketball is viewed the way it is now. Like, yes. They stuck it out. they were the only two players left on the roster. Just, like, think about that, where this team has come, watching that game, seeing Ish hit that three, get emotional afterwards. It's, uh, Manhattan's a special place, and, well, and it it, it shows. Sorry, go ahead. Like that. No, it's special because of moments and players like that that you know have just been through shit.
1: Well, and it sets as an example for the uh, red shirts this year, like Taj and all those players and people that are coming in. Like, hey, look what can happen if you just give it some time. So,
2: mm-hmm. yeah, man, I, I, I feel the way this season started. I really felt horrible for Ish because he wasn't getting a lot of playing time. He kind of was out of the rotation and then David Gasson got injured and he was able to get back in and that dude just fought to stay in that rotation and he improved his three-point shot. He like improved his defense. Like He took on a way different role than he even had last year. Oh, yeah. And like that kind of stuff, like, Noel gets all the recognition. Noel is, like, the first team All-Conference, the third team All-American, like, the guy that everyone is going to be talking about, like, when it's all said and done. Like, Noel's Mm going to be the dude, and it's, like, here's the thing, like, let's say we get this thing all the way turned around, K-State's, like, a perennial, like, Sweet 16 team, team, or, like, team that makes... Basically, like, Texas Tech. They get to be, like, Texas Tech good. Like, when Texas Tech was, like, really humming, right? Yeah. Not even saying we make it to a national title or anything like that. Like, we're a team. Or, like, even Iowa State, when Iowa State's, like, humming. We're making Sweet 16s. We're, like, making the tournament, like, all the time. And everyone's going to be, like, oh, well, like, Marquise Noel and, like, Yadda Johnson are the guys who, like, set the foundation for that. And, like, that's true, but that's disingenuous. Because Ish was there too. Ish stayed. Ish is a, as big of a reason that this team is where they are right now than anyone else. And it's because he stayed and he helped recruit players to come, even though at the beginning of the year, they were basically making him not play.
1: <laughs> exactly, yeah.
2: So Ish Masood probably does not listen to this podcast. <laughs> but if someone in this po- <laughs> listens to this podcast and they know Ish Massoud. I want them to, like, just text them and say, these three idiots from this podcast you don't listen to really appreciate what you've done. Because, you know, the there's that Miracle Manhattan YouTube doc deal or whatever. Oh,
1: yeah, I know what you're talk talking about, about.
2: They talk about the foundation, all the guys <laughs> who, like, came into K-State, at eight, like, for 89 and, like, never got to make a bowl game. But, like, yep. literally the reason the program turned around. And it's, like, Barda's one of them. And, like, I think Venables is, like, one of them. Like, he's one of those guys. Yeah. Like, he's not getting that recognition, but he's he's part of the foundation. And, like, I really – I can't say it enough. I so very much appreciate Ishmusud and Marquise Noel for staying. Yeah. No, because I mean, they easily could have left.
0: It's the uh, – we, we went through – like so, so much similar of a conversation during a uh, football season, of just talking in college sports, how easy it is to just, to just quit, to just, I don't want to be here. The, the staff has it out to get me. Um, they're not doing, they're not setting it up for me, especially in sport like basketball too, where you can that stuff really easy. And it's so easy just to just be like this, I, this just isn't for me. I just need to go somewhere. We had players on our team that did that. That just, I, I don't want to be here. This is uh this isn't for me. K State isn't important to me, and these two players decided that K State was important—that they wanted to be remembered when it comes to the history of K State basketball, and for um, each of them to have that opportunity, but then seize it like to the fullest extent to be here is just kind of—it's an incredible story, and I hope—and um, it appears there's no reason to believe that uh, it won't be the case. Um, it looks like they've set up Coach Tang and this staff and this program to just like just leapfrog into this like perennial. I don't want to say contender, but like contention, whatever you want to say of college basketball, relevant like, ter- to- Tur-
2: tournament, tournament team. Like right. tournament yeah. team a, something
0: it. that this this program hasn't been for years,
2: and that's yeah, got, not got not special. since Frank, right? I would say too, and I'll be excited to see what happens next year. Um, with this, cause I mean, ish has another year of eligibility and it's one of those things where like, I would understand if he like left to get a bigger role because he like wants to try and go pro and like, he's done enough for us. Like at this time to where like, there'd be no hard feelings. I would love for him to come back though and continue to be kind of our little Brady manic on North Carolina. Yeah. Um, and I, th- I think with another year of like honing a shot improving his handle like all that stuff he could be a really nice stretch for and i think he would be really good i think he fits really well alongside like david gassan because gassan can't fit the broads of a barn with a jump shot <laughs> yeah so i i think he's a really nice guy to have so yeah
1: i agree but
2: we love you ish now that the sentiments are out of the way it is time to preview k-state's next game it is the sweet 16 game it's a massive square garden it's been a big to-do with Marquise Noel and Massoud and Tyke Green and Naquan Tomlin, all being from New York City, like all the boroughs and everything. They all get to go play in Madison Square Garden, the Mecca of basketball. Everyone and their dog knows that arena. And it's going to be against Michigan State. And Michigan State is a seventh seed. They are favored right now by between a point and a half and two and a half points. And it, it's Tom Izzo in March. They win a lot. Michigan State is a very solid program. They're rock solid. And Tom Miz is a Hall of Fame coach. So.
0: I, so, when when I look at this game, um, I almost felt as though the kind of, like, childish behavior from uh, Kentucky after the game, including their coach calling, ironically, uh, Marquise Noel a little kid. I almost felt like, and I, I don't respect Kentucky. Their last few years haven't been relevant. Like, they've just... They've been a name for the last couple of years. When we mentioned Michigan state though, it's, it's different. You meant you talked about Tom Izzo being a hall of fame coach. They, it's Tom yeah, I, I feel like hard.
2: that's just because like Michigan state's really not done a whole lot the last couple of years either, but I think it's just because we you respect uh, Tom Izzo as a basketball coach.
0: Well, yes, no, I, but I guess it, well, a yes, you're correct. But like you're stacking together. Marquee wins at that point too. And for the players like that you just mentioned and also coach Tang. Um, yes, you're going to the elite eight, but it's not like you're, when you look at the other K state runs, you can like usually pick out a game like, all right, like, well, you beat this team along the way, whatever K state goes through the tournament, beating Kentucky and then Michigan state along the way, like two just storied programs, even though I laugh at like Kentucky being thrown in that after the last couple of years. Um, it's another like feather in the cap for Coach Tang to have. Um, it'll obviously help recruiting and all that. But the um, like the story of K-State basketball this season just takes that next massive step up after like beating these types of teams. And I mean, you do you really face like there's not a one seed left in our region? Like, really, how much more difficult is it after you know playing everybody? Don't, don't
2: fall to- into that trap because I, 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 I understand. I understand,
0: but, like, what we're saying about Michigan State, what we're saying about Kentucky, like, I don't think it's necessarily getting harder. I don't know if I feel worse about, like, games going Uh, forward. You got to win each week. You got to win each game. I understand that. But, like, K-State has already faced this test and passed it once. I don't think the next test is harder. I don't, uh, like, view it any differently. We can obviously do it at this point but it's such a massive opportunity for every single part of K-State basketball because this part of the story is still unwritten, and we're already an incredible story, but now it can become great. Now it can become all-time, right, uh, K-State. I,
2: I would agree with you that I don't think the test is necessarily any harder necessarily with Michigan State. I would disagree on Tennessee. Tennessee is a very metric favored team Um, I believe they were actually the number one team in that region per Kempom and I know Kempom is like not the end all be all or anything but they're very athletic and very active it's really kind of how all the SEC teams are they really get after you and they're really athletic and they like to go crash the offensive glass and I think that's kind of a matchup that like isn't great for K-State because that's kind of you know the same way with Kentucky and Tennessee also has, like, one of the best defenses in the country. So, I would say Tennessee is a considerable step up in competition. I would say Michigan State is a step up from an X's and O's standpoint, but probably a step down, like a half step down. Talent. And, um, talent. Because, like, I don't want to – get. this is the thing. This is not, like, a shot at Michigan State because, like, you don't need – Pros to fucking. Win. I mean, you eventually need like one pro to win the Natty, but like you don't need pros to win in March. But I really don't know any of the dudes on Michigan State. And that's the part that scares me because like that just means they're a really solid outfit all around and they probably know all their roles and they're not one player centric. And that is what scares me about Michigan State almost as much as Tom Izzo because I'm petrified of Tom Izzo having like. Days, to just game. Like if we would to have played Tom Izzo like two days later after a win in the Sweet Sixteen, I feel better because like Tom Izzo doesn't have a ton of time to game plan, and maybe it's double edged sword. Maybe it's like Tom Izzo's done this a billion times; he already knows what the fuck to do on two days. So maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm just scared of Tom Izzo, and you'd be correct.
1: So right. I, I, right. same way, um. When I think of like Kentucky and John Calipari, I I think of Tom Izzo and Michigan State in the same breath, in my opinion. And what Tom Izzo does that John Calipari just can't seem to do is Tom Izzo just drills into the officials, man. Especially as he gets older, he is in their ass the whole fucking game.
2: He's in his players' asses too.
1: He's in, he is riding. Yes. Yes, he is in their fucking grill from tip-off until the clock hits zero. And what he will fucking yell at anybody that's on the court running up and down that court. And I I think that's more power to him. Sometimes I don't like it because sometimes he gets his way. But that's besides the fact. I, I think Tang coming into this, I think we might see a different side of Tang. I honestly do. I think I think he's gonna. Ha- I think he's gonna. I think he's gonna match the energy. I really do. He's gonna. He's gonna fucking go beyond Tom Izzo's energy. So, um, we'll I, we'll see. But I, I, I think Tank's gonna come into this with a different mentality and kind of play it from that perspective. I don't know. It's hard to say, but uh, the, yeah, the the game plan for this one's gonna have to be fucking lights out, like just hustling and bustling.
2: Yeah, and I, I mean the guy, the guys are gonna like look. Case Michigan State the book on them from everything that I've read and like, I I stole that line from the ESPN article is they make threes and they don't turn you over. And then they've completely did the exact opposite against Marquette. Yeah. But like you can kind of expect them to make threes, which makes sense for players you've never heard of. They're just three point shooters. And like, they'll hopefully not turn us over. Now we'll see what happens because state has has had a propensity to turn the ball over at times this year and i think my greatest fear about this game is michigan state while that this particular team hasn't quote been there before necessarily i can't actually remember where they fit where they went last year but Tom Izzo has big wins, like on his resume. Like he hasn't had yeah. he beat that Duke team with Zion, like fairly handily. Like they usually don't lose in the first round of the tournament. Like when they're good, they have like one upset loss. Yeah, but, like the thing is, is Michigan State. I know is going to be rock solid because that's just how they're wired. I hope. And my fear is, is there's a lot of homecoming energy coming from K-State and that can lead to some overzealous play and that can lead to like some distraction. Mm -hmm. So I really hope what's going on is that case. So I, I love the homecoming for the guys. I, I guess I'm not super concerned about Marquise because he hasn't been back to New York for like the last two years. Cause he just, you know, is working on his game all the time. Like he's just a gym rat. So I'm less concerned about him, but like a guy like a Naquan Tomlin, I'm not sure like how bought in Naquan is. I love Naquan. He's super talented. He's only been playing basketball for like five years. Yeah. You know I, mean? I don't know how married to the game that he is, that he isn't going to get distracted by being back at home. You
1: know well, what that's I mean? what, that's what somebody like a Marquise is going to hold them accountable to.
2: Yes, and I would hope so, and I would hope that, like, Jerome, like, knows this. He knows those guys way better than I do. And I don't want to, like, I'm not trying to pick on Naquan Tomlin. Naquan Tomlin just seems like the dude who has the most fun out of those four guys. Yeah. You know, you know what I mean? Like, and I guess that's a compliment to Naquan. He seems like a really fun dude. But I think it'll be interesting. I think it'll be close. Um, I'm not going to pick the game. Like, I'm just not. I- when, when I
0: look at this game, I, I think you summed it up perfectly, Sam, with the, we're facing Tom Izzo in March with a team that we know is going to be fundamentally sound, we know what we're going to get, and we know that they're going to be prepared. The other side of that is I think, ironically, it's pretty impossible to prepare for us just because of our like, speed and athleticism, but the other side of that is we are one of still, to this day, I think we've played the same exact basketball game the entire season. The only team that can beat Kansas state is Kansas state. And we have the like greatest ability in the nation to beat ourselves. Um, yep. So that's, um, I don't think Michigan state can prepare for us, but at the same time, I like have seen K state play up to the competition of Kentucky and just hit that high gear. Everything's clicking. And then I've seen them throughout course of the season, just try, try way too much go way over the top, and just completely disregard the fundamentals of basketball, which sounds like the world's worst matchup against Michigan State and Tom yep. Izzo. I, think yeah. that's what si- I don't know what side of K-State we're going to get, but like, that's where my brain goes. To be honest, we're probably going to get a little bit of both during stretches. It's really just you know, it's, it's a balanced thing. What do we get from K-State? So we're one of the most unbalanced teams in the fucking country.
2: The, yeah. the keynote for this I can't remember the Marquette guy, guard's name. I, like, listened to the Big East tournament. I know his name. Like, I just can't think of it. And he, he's some white kid. I can't remember. Um, For some reason, Jake Funk is coming to my name, but that's the kid from Penn State. But he got absolutely – he was, like, third-team All-American, too, or, like, second-team All-American. He got locked down by Michigan State. Like, literally, like, l- put in jail, throw away the key. So, I mean, like – if if that's going to happen to Marquise Noel, we are going to lose. Like that's just the way it is. But I mean, at the end of the day, it feels very much like um, we'll have the two best players on the court, and we'll see how or two of the three best players on the court at least, and we'll see what wins creativity or fundamentals. Yeah. No.
1: No, I agree.
2: All right, Beans. Gavin has requested to cut the program. So tell us who the Chiefs signed, and then we'll leave.
1: <laughs> okay, so quickly, who the Chiefs have signed. They have... All right, Fuck it. Right. Okay. We're going to... Okay, okay. it would be... Re- signed. We're reporting okay. the news,
2: Gavin. No, The no. Chiefs...
1: No, the, what? go ahead. Okay, so the Chiefs signed Charles and to a two-year, $16 million...
2: We don't need details. Just okay. We
1: signed Charles Amenahue, which I I love that pick. Um Mike Edwards, we have replaced Juan Thornhill with Mike Edwards. I think that is a step up in uh safety play there. Making. Oh, absolutely. Making. And then the one my favorite signing this offseason, I think nobody yeah, is going to yeah. appreciate nobody's going to appreciate this this uh signing more than I, I nobody's going to value this more than I will. Is Drew Tranquill. Drew Tranquil led the Chargers in tackles last year, um, and I think, I, I think his, uh, his field play is – I honestly think he might replace Willie Gay. I really do. He is so fucking good. I'm excited for him. So that's, that's mine. Yes, Gavin?
0: Um, I think it's all great. I think these guys are all fine and dandy. I need I, – I was at work uh, earlier last week, and I wasn't able to be at, on the podcast. But I bit into a peanut butter and jelly sandwich when I was at work. It was the world's worst fucking peanut butter and jelly sandwich I've ever tasted in my life. And it was from Brett Beach. I looked and it unsigned on the fucking uh, Ziploc bag. That's who it was from. When I saw the left tackle trade, essentially, that we did. Letting Orlando Brown walk and picking up whatever the fuck we brought in from the Jaguars. I need you to make this peanut butter and jelly sandwich not seem like a rotten piece of shit. Because that's what I think it is. And you are not an objective Chiefs fan. You are just a fan that has blinders on and only sees positivity and rainbows. So tell me how this is a good thing, Beans.
1: I will tell. Actually, you know what? I will tell you perks and I will tell you negatives. Would that make you happy?
0: No, I don't think you're capable of negatives. So just give me the perks. You okay, get one the perks. Perk, one
2: negative because we're running short on time.
1: Okay, so I would say the perk is. This Juwan Taylor is an athletic freak and talking about a guy who has improved every year since he's been out of college. No, that's two parts. He's an athletic freak. There you go. Okay. He's an athletic freak. The negative, I would say, you know, the left tackle experience. He has, he hasn't had none since high school. I think he might've played a little bit
2: athletic, no experience. Sorry to cut you off beans.
1: Go ahead, Gavin.
0: Would you say Keenan Allen is a good wide receiver, like a great wide receiver, you know, like solid.
2: No, I'd say he's pretty good. Oh, no, we're not going to do this. I mean,
0: Keenan Allen is 30 years old. He's been great. I don't think anybody gives a fuck that he's not athletic anymore. Orlando Brown's been good in the NFL for five years. Why the fuck do I care if he's athletic or not?
1: Juwan Taylor is younger. He is 2 We've got younger at the left tackle. We got somebody who's more athletic and has somebody who fits our scheme a lot better than what Orlando Brown did.
2: Beans just thinks that we're still trading for Laramie Tunzel even though he got no
1: accepted. I don't think we're trading for Laramie Tunzel I think we're gonna draft a right tackle <laughs> why wouldn't we just draft a left tackle
0: because we we're gonna a move. right tackle left tackle money
1: so why would we money. put him at right tackle
0: then we don't Travers have the best left tackle.
1: right tackle in the league <laughs> Bro, we're
2: just trying to reset the right tackle market so that way we can get a different right tackle. I I,
0: I think paying tackles like based on what side they play is fucking retarded. Just,
1: I do too. I think I think if you're a good tackle like and if you're a good guard like it shouldn't give a shit if you're the right or left side. If you're good at your job and you can do it, it the the market should it you know change how where, where well you, you are
0: play a lot like is almost kind of like captain circumstance at this point like whatever to me like i, I mean i uh, understand you being used to playing on one side and not wanting to transition but the payment should be the same
1: is there a well, difference I'm between be an x receiver there. is there a difference between an x receiver don't, and a don't slot do receiver that to
0: yourself beans don't do that to yourself it, no
1: it, it just goes by are you wide receiver one or wide receiver two don't, that's what beans, it goes by
0: we're talking about the same position, just playing on the right or left side of the offensive line.
1: I know. Okay, yeah, fine. I'm okay. Gonna, I'm going I'm to come
2: and say this right now. Um, as a former offensive lineman, this might sound stupid um, to many people. I will anger probably a ton of people. I have played, like, all the positions in high school, and, like, the hardest one was center because you had to snap the ball and shotgun.
1: Like It the is, other ones it is are, hard. Same thing. Especially when yeah, you have a, when you have a it's, nose it's, in front of you. Too,
2: You just fucking kick slide, bro. Like the ball snapped and you kick slide and you pass the same fucking thing.
1: Well, and that's what Juwan Taylor does. Like the way Orlando Brown, I'm sorry, I'm going to do this. I'm going to nerd out. Fuck you guys. So the way, the way Orlando Brown would do his kick steps, it would cause havoc for him to get beat inside and he couldn't kick in far enough to not get beat inside. What Juwan Taylor does is he eliminates that inside rush, which might help us a little bit more.
2: We don't so know. You're saying that the uh, tackle with the borderline... Is Orlando Brown in the Hall of Fame?
1: I don't know. I don't think so. We'll
2: call him, we'll call him a borderline Hall of Famer. I don't know. Fuck it.
1: I don't even think there's border. I, I think he's pretty okay, far away. It depends I on how... He, I, I think it depends on his stint here. with no, the Bengals. wait.
2: Who was the tackle with the Rams I'm thinking of that went to Ohio State? Oh, what? shit. The guy that just retired? No, this is a long time ago. The guy who almost won the Heisman at tackle. Oh no!
1: I don't fucking, I don't fucking know. Anyway, anyways, uh,
2: so now I'm interested. You know what? Fuck it! I don't care. He had a dad in the NFL, and he co- it, he cost him four I, million dollars by teaching I, him the I, run kicks. Dry. I'm
0: just saying, beans. While all this kicking stuff was happening, Orlando Brown was still an objectively better tackle for five years, and uh, I don't even know the fucker's name, Jaquan something, was in a starting competition with Greg Little, Walker Little, on the Jaguars coming into the season.
1: We that's because the only contract. film we had with him was with Urban Meyer he as the offensive coach Meyer either he was too. He has like a first round he had a first round gary he was taken in the second round by the by the jaguars. He you know was I,
0: a highly drafted tackle that played a lot but was never good
1: and improved every year he was in the NFL.
0: except the year he was with urban Meyer. that was shitty,
1: but Uh, He was even then he was showing improvement and then took a big step with Doug Peterson, who runs the same style of offense as Andy Reid. So obviously they see something with the offensive structure that Doug Peterson ran from the same coaching tree as Andy Reid to where they can say, oh, well, we can bring in this guy he knows our offense, essentially.
0: We gave a career right tackle that's been worse than Orlando Brown left tackle money. Well, let's not
1: hide the fact that we were probably tired of fucking dealing with Orlando Brown because his agent I didn't know. That. I, I, know. I, I honestly think that's where we were at. I honestly think Veach said, "Fuck it, I'm tired of talking to Brown's agent, who has finally signed, Brown signed a
0: contract." Less money to leave Kansas City.
1: I think Brown. I think Brown's value decreased the longer he was negotiating with us. I think his value think kept decreasing. General, I think he lost a lot of money by not signing first. He yeah, should have signed I, I first. I, I think he kept losing value and kept getting frustrated, and his agent kept getting mad, and so finally they just wanted to get out of here. I think they just wanted to get out. And I'm I don't sure think it. it, it I don't think it had. I don't think it had anything to do with organization, you know, personality, organization structure. I think it strictly came down to that he got tired of negotiating with us. I think that's
0: well, that, that's a different argument than trying to talk yourself into the player that we got. If you I still to think it's a Orlando good signing.
1: Was- I still think it's a good signing, but I also think that we were just tired of dealing with Orlando Brown. I think
2: the problem is, is you offered him like what? Con- whatever contract it was last year, it was like, like
1: five year, thir- thirty nine something like that. It was a massive contract. Like, I
2: thought it was six. What whatever. But you offer him something that's going to like make him like, if not the highest paid tackle, really close to the highest paid tackle. And then he cut, co- and you come back to the negotiating table and you're like, okay, well, like you didn't play well enough to earn that contract, so now we're starting like at less.
1: And he like, was asking, he was asking twenty two, and we we're offering him twenty, and then he signed for eighteen. Like what? What are you? 16. Maybe it was less. I don't know. All right. I all I, all I what know I'm is-, saying
2: is, is the thing is, is a tough pill to swallow when you're asking for 22, you get offered 20, and then you decline it, and then the same organization's like, well, now it's 18. So now yeah. it's just like, how do you how do you mend that gap? Where it's because now you almost look like an idiot if you sign with them. It's like, oh, look at you. You like lost fucking two million dollars a year because you didn't sign. But by the it's way, answer right. was Orlando Pace. Um, who oh. wants to guess uh, Yeah that's who I was thinking of He is the quote pancake man At Ohio State mm. um, Who wants to guess before we leave Because we need to end this to get to our Fucking draft shit Who wants to guess uh, what he finished So this is an offensive tackle by the way Where did he finish in the Heisman Trophy voting um, In 1996? 1996
1: 1996
2: mind, They only really record the top 10 So he's in the to 10
1: I was going to say third.
0: Yeah, I, I was going to say, uh, like, well, I, when I was thinking not recording top ten, I was going to say second, but I'll go fourth.
2: Fourth is correct. Gavin yeah. does ball. Good job.
0: Let's go. Now let's be more correct and get to this draft shit.
2: <laughs> All right. So, as promised, we are going to do our top fives. We did this last year. Everyone's going to give a top five for their position, and then one sleeper. And we'll revisit this in, like, a year or something and be like, ha-ha, look how dumb this guy is. Notables from last year. Garrett Wilson did not make Beans' top five for top five wide receivers. Wasn't even a sleeper. Massive miss on his part. And I couldn't sure help that John
1: Mechie didn't me. play.
2: My, my sleeper for wide receivers, I'm pretty sure, it was Ty Freifogel. And Ty Freifogel, I don't even think, like,
1: I don't think he's a I don't even think he's in the lead. I think he might be in the USFL.
2: Yeah, I was going to say is he even in the USFL or XFL? Like that would be a really bad choice on my part. I
0: I think I just missed every single sleeper I threw out there, which
1: to be okay. fair, I was choosing sleepers based on names. I did not miss on a sleeper because I picked Yes, you did. No, Bailey Zappi. I picked Bailey Zappi. We we don't care.
2: Yeah, I think that's, that's the reason it doesn't matter. You mean the consensus, like, 5th or 6th best quarterback in the draft? Like, the one who got six, picked 6th overall?
1: And he was the number one quarterback of the rookie class last year. What can I say?
2: Where is he at now? Yeah, backing up a
1: different quarterback.
0: <laughs> I Skyler Thompson was the second best quarterback out of this class, and Brock Purdy
2: was the first, so...
1: hey, nope, dude, Nobody this- had Brock Purdy on this list. Nobody had Brock Purdy.
2: <laughs> dude, okay, fuck Brock Purdy. That dude fucking... St- Dunk at Iowa State. That dude won a lot of games because they had a lot of talent, and like he was talented himself. That dude was a fucking mess half the time.
0: Kyle Sam Darnold is going to re, like revitalize his career, and then Kyle Shanahan will retire, and that will just be it. Like it will be.
2: But <laughs> like, Let's be real. Let's let's be completely like let's put our nuts on the table out right here right now. Like let's say Brock Purdy like never recovers from like his Tommy John, and like Trey Lance fucking sucks. And so they, like, put Sam Darnold in and they make the playoffs and, like, they get to the NFC title game. Like, would you be surprised, like, at all if that nope. happened? No. Nope. At this yeah. point, no. You just need better than Josh Johnson at this point. Like, that's literally all you need.
1: Anyway. They were a Josh Johnson away, yeah.
2: Any whore, we're going to start with offensive linemen because no one gives a fuck about offensive linemen. Bingo. Correct. Bingo. So we're, we're gonna move from offensive lineman to tight ends, and then we can go like quarterback, running back, and wide receiver because we want we want to do the sexy. We'll go up last. in order
3: of importance.
2: <laughs> yeah. Like. Yes. Yeah, se- du- like sexy last because no one gives a fuck about any of these.
0: And we want to um, hold our viewers hostage.
2: Pretty much, uh, beans. Please provide our listeners a timestamp for yeah. where they can jump.
1: <laughs> you are really making this complicated. No, I'm not. That means I have to go,
2: who, have to go back and
1: listen. Huh? Who's I thought it was just gonna go in our usual order of Sam, Gavin, me.
2: Oh, I love going first.
1: All right. I love so I love going last. Line- Gavin, you are the cream of this Oreo.
0: <laughs> I have to rank offensive linemen. I was told it wasn't required for the job.
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. You don't have to do it line. Okay.
2: Um, okay. So I'm gonna go one to five and then my sleeper. Um, For offensive linemen, I absolutely looked up top offensive linemen in NFL draft and then pretty much just put that with a couple of differences. So I got Peter Skaronsky from Northwestern as my number one. And then I have Paris Johnson Jr. from Ohio State as my number two because he plays tackle, whereas Osiris Torrance plays guard. Ergo, he can't be as good or as valuable. And I've also never heard of him. And then I decided I didn't know who the other offensive linemen were. So I went with another Ohio State guy because he's like 6'8". So I chose uh, DeWan Jones. And then I chose whoever they had as the best center because centers are people too. But John Michael Schmitz.
1: I like this and his list. His
2: also John Michael. So, like, that's awesome. And then my sleeper, I have Trevor Reed from Louisville because he is the most athletic offensive lineman in the draft, which means he'll probably stink. So there you go, and there you go.
1: I I like your list. That's a solid list, man. Well, that means it's a shitty list. (laughs) Oh, what the fuck?
2: Actually, if is going to be able to actually evaluate any of these positions, it would be offensive line. So Yeah,
0: I yeah. I, I just put my top four offensive linemen in my rankings, and it is uh, Darnell Washington, the tight end from Georgia, in there four times. Uh, he's, the most, <laughs> he's the most valuable offensive lineman in this draft because he can play both tight end and left tackle. So he should be getting Travis Kelsey and Orlando Brown money.
1: All right, I am am definitely putting that in the edit for this show.
0: I've said nothing incorrect.
1: Who's your fifth?
0: Darnell Washington.
1: (laughs) Who's your sleeper? sleeper?
0: Oh, sleeper? I can go find another tight end. Give me a second.
1: (laughs) (laughs) How about you just take that one off?
0: (laughs) (laughs) I I don't have a good hit rate on sleepers.
1: (laughs) All right would you like for me to go now?
2: Yes. Yeah, just go. Just Correct. regurgitate the same like five offensive linemen that I just regurgitated. Yeah,
1: I mean, it's it's pretty much the same format. So yeah,
2: I, have- I I know it's pretty much the same. That's why I know it's crap.
1: <laughs> Easy. So for my number one, I have I have Peter I have Peter Skoronsky. I, I do agree he is the number one uh, offensive tackle because the one issue that is going to be his downfall is his short arms. But when you're just fucking athletic. You know, it'll, it hard, bro. it'll be all right. Um, number two, I have Paris Johnson. The dude is huge, the dude's a freaking tower.
2: Paris, Paris Johnson is a big motherfucker.
1: they both of those tackles are big, mo- yeah, um, really are. <laughs> yeah, they are. Another big motherfucker is Broderick Jones out of Georgia. The dude is a specimen of a right tackle. Um, I like him a lot. I kind of hope the chiefs can somehow sneakishly get him. Uh, I don't think he will fall to us, but he would be a great pick for us. Um, and then for my number four, I, you know, when I do this, I try to go like tackle, tackle, guard, guard center, you know, like somehow like try to get two tackles, two guards in a center in my top five. It didn't really work out this way. Cause the tackle class is so deep. This is such a deep tackle class. Um, so with my first guard on this uh, is Osiris Jones. I don't mean to rank them like that. You know, like I try to get <laughs> at least two tackles. I try to get at least two tackles, two guards in a center, you know, because that's I
2: fault you because I just put one of my, I put the center at five because it's no. Saris. Yeah.
1: Um, Osiris Jones or Osiris Torrance, sorry. Um, I like him Those as a guard.
2: Close to the same last name. Yeah, I know. Yeah,
1: Broderick Jones, Osiris Torrance. You know, same guy. Um, and then for my number five, it's John Michael Schmitz as a center. The dude can work in a phone booth, man. I lo- I like his name as well. Superman. Yeah, John. <laughs> That's funny. Hawk, yeah. And then for my sleeper. So, out of Old Dominion, give me Nick Saldivari. I don't even know how to say his name. Let's, let's go. The dude is athletic, I, coming from a small pick. school. What's that? Total name pick. Dude, total name pick coming out of Old Dominion. The dude tested so well at the Combine. He did really good at the Combine. I like that. He um, has a really, really high football IQ. The dude is smart. Um, so, I, I like. I like him. All right, can we move tight ends?
2: <laughs> yes! Let's go! Relevant! Tight end class was actually good.
1: Oh my yeah. god. this can, I, can we admit, like, I don't know how much you guys actually, like, graded these tight ends, but, like, I didn't. this was hard. This was a hard <laughs> group. Because <laughs> I didn't care. Okay, well, well I, I, at
0: least, I at least can I bring something to the table here, but Sam's comment there just, just cracks my like, core up. <laughs>
2: Bro, I rank off of vibes, dude. Like, I don't give a shit, like, who ranked who where. Like, I've I watched enough college football. I know who's I know who's good sometimes. Um, I got Michael Meyer, number one, because he is – he has been a very good college player for three years. Um, he is a very solid player. Very much feels like another T.J. Hawkinson-type player. I don't know Washington, too, because of blocking. I value blocking a little bit more than receiving, and I think that Darnell Washington isn't an incapable receiver. I think he just... It wouldn't surprise me who's the best tight end in this class, mainly because Brock Bowers is just, like, such a freak of nature that, like, he's relegated to blocking. And then I have uh, Duncan Cade, best pass catcher, like, pure pass catcher in the draft. Very much calling him Travis Kelsey-esque is kind of, like, a disservice to like Travis Kelsey, yeah. but very much in the mold of pass catch first tight end, someone like maybe a Dalton Schultz or like even a Zachert or something like that. And then um, I have, I think his first name is Sam. I think it's Sam Laporta. Um, yeah, um, Iowa guy. Iowa, and that's literally the only reason he's like fourth is because he's from Iowa. I couldn't care less whether or not he was ranked high or low. He's just from Iowa and that place shits out tight ends. Correct. And then I got Josh Grave out of Oregon State. It's coming off of a bad injury, um, but he's fairly highly touted. And I got also out of Old Dominion. My sleeper is Zach Kuntz, who is like 6'8", or like 6'7 and change. And his last name is Cunts. Yep. That's pretty much it. So we got two old Dominion sleepers, apparently, which is kind of insane. So uh,
0: I'm going to repeat a lot of the same names Sam did there. Um, a little di- different order. Um, I, I have Michael Mayer first. If I'm an NFL team, I'm not actually drafting him first. This feels like a placeholder more than anything. Uh, he's mm-hmm. been there, it's safe. You can take them and know what you're getting, but at the same time, I, I almost I almost hate tight ends like that because you just kind of, like, back yourselves into... You kind of convince yourself guys like Dalton Schultz and whatever are better than they actually are, when in reality they're pretty much just replacement-level tight ends. I feel like that's kind of where I just see Michael Mayer going to. It's just this, like, solid catch-and-fall-down tight end that doesn't really add anything.
2: Basically, Hunter um, Henry.
0: Yeah. that uh, Second... I got Dalton Kincaid. Um, he's got the all-important basketball background you like to see at tight end. Uh, had one of the highest yards per route run at uh, or of this tight end's class. The, uh, I mean, Sam said it. He's the best receiving tight end in this draft class. Problem with calling him a tight end is he's kind of one of these tweener guys <laughs> that's like 240 pounds. You'd almost like to see him just be a big slot more than anything. And honestly, it feels like the NFL just isn't capable of using these guys like to their... I don't even want to say to their full extent, like the NFL just isn't really even capable of using them period because the NFL's is stupid. Uh, it feels like these guys should work. The NFL can't really do it with that comes Luke Musgrave as well. Who's just screams athleticism uh, is coming off the big injury, but kind of showed at the combine that he's back fully healthy. You shouldn't be worried about that. I'm not worried about that. He's got the versatility. you like to see at tight end where he has played a bunch of special teams, Uh, He played multiple positions in high school, which you like to see. And as we learned from our uh, friend uh, Jalen Weidemeyer last year, um, Luke Musgrave has the all-important honor roll that we love to see at tight end because tight ends are – tight end is a very difficult position. And Jalen Weidemeyer is an idiot, and he can't play tight end. So due to the Jalen Weidemeyer uh, theory – you have to be smart to play tight end, or at least a crazy athlete. And Luke Musgrave is at least two of those things. Um, go to Darnell Washington next. We've talked about him quite a bit. He's my uh, uh, top five offensive lineman in this class as well. Uh, just like a behemoth of a man athlete. You can throw, I feel like you could throw him at – people honestly like downplay him at tight end because he, there's NFL teams that think he could play tackle. And that's, that's all fine. Again, it sounds like a guy that the NFL is almost going to fuck up because they just, like, can't decide where to play him, so they just play him nowhere as a solution to that. My um, uh, last guy, number five, is going to be Zach Koons. Uh You come into the combine and blow up like he did. I'm going to do a little bit more digging. Uh, turns out um, he basically just uh, was, like, forgotten about uh, not used, plus Penn State sucks, and they have Sean Clifford at quarterback, so miraculously, a tight end at Penn State isn't used, uh, and isn't doesn't put up big numbers when he has Sean Clifford throwing him the ball. Transfers to o- Old Dominion, and the second he transfers to Old Dominion, blows up, uh, puts up big stats. Um, I go through his high school uh, resume just real fast. Played offense and defense. He was a uh, um, he once uh, one state had Success in basketball uh, was a state, uh, one state in hurdles and multiple track events. Uh, natural, National Honor Society member, um, just like a across-the-board guy that you like to see. So when he actually got the opportunity, he succeeded. Yeah, he's 24 years old. That sucks, but uh, he really has no holes if you just disregard the fact that it took him until 24 years old for a college team to give him an opportunity but he succeeded when he got the opportunity. My sleeper is Sam Laporta from Iowa. Similar to what Sam says, but uh, has a lot of the same, same stuff I've kind of talked about throughout the uh, throughout tight ends here. Played, he actually played wide receiver and defensive back in high school. Um, still played basketball and track in high school as well. Was a three-year team captain in the high school. NHS member, super smart. Just pretty much everything you want to see. He was a permanent team captain when he was at Iowa. Uh, He had a hard work, uh, won multiple hard work character awards at Iowa. Just ticks every single box of what you want to see aside from the stuff that you can, the athleticism, the production. So I just, super safe. I think that you could build any passing, set up any passing attack, incorporating him as your tight end just fine.
2: That is, it is so goddamn funny that my sleeper was your four and my, or you're five and my four was your sleeper.
0: <laughs> I mean, this tight end class is super fucking deep. I feel great about Sam Laporta. And like having him at sleeper is just disingenuous. It really just means he's my six.
2: Like, well, I'm just saying this is the difference between doing research and not doing
1: research. <laughs> <laughs> All right. No, yeah. yeah, this this, this tight end this tight end class is so deep. There's a lot of talent in this class. There's a lot of yeah, hidden. So deep. That and there and there's a lot of hidden talent too. Um yes. and especially if like a team is missing like a certain trait, you know, it's just that you one can find t- it. You can find it in this class. So this is this is a very one of the better tight end classes, in my opinion. Um so let's get fun with my wild and crazy tight end class. Um, hey, Michael Mayer is a sleeper. No. Um so at number one. I appreciate the blocking more than people think. So Darnell Washington's my number one. Yeah,
2: of course you do. I knew that was gonna <laughs> the case. Can Can you
0: imagine the amount of the amount of times that fucking shrub is gonna be wide open in the back of the end zone for the Chiefs after he started his <laughs> left tackle?
1: They, that's left exactly tackle what he forward. is. He's a left tackle with just supreme talent to just be able to go out and catch a ball with his oven mitt with his oven mitts of a. Fucking hand. He could just bear call the goddamn ball out of the air. So I, I think, you know, just any team, I, that's where I, that's why he's my number one. Literally any team could pick him up and just like get better, especially with him in the red zone. And when people say like he's a red zone threat, they don't mean by just catching. They mean by like the ability to run 12 personnel and just have your blocker out there just mauling a linebacker. So, yes, yes. I don't want to be
2: disrespectful, but. No one who has said he's a red zone threat took into account his blocking ability. I'm just gonna. <laughs> I I
0: I agree with Sam.
2: Yeah. No, I agree. I agree, agree with that.
1: You, I agree with that too. I no, no, no. With what you said. Yes. No, I agree with what you absolutely said. Absolutely correct. No one who
2: ever said that he was a red zone threat ever meant anything by the fact that he was blocking. It's merely the no, fact that yeah. he was seven.
1: No, no 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 really i'm crazy. just saying when you hear red zone threat the term in general you think of just catching ability but with somebody like darnell fair. washington you think of pass blocking ability so or just run blocking just, just absolutely just nice. I, so I just wanted to no, let that out
2: there
1: <laughs> no i'm glad you clarified for that <laughs> thank, you, Sam. thank you for saving me from looking like a retard all right all right so <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was close oh thank god <laughs>
0: Close <laughs> one there. We've all, we've had some moments here.
2: We stopped ourselves on that one. <laughs> I love how Beans is like, yeah, you know, you're uh, stopping me as he like tells us pre-show, like, oh, you're gonna hate these legs. <laughs> They're yeah, it's crazy, man.
1: All right, so my number two, I'm going to go from complete opposite here, just left field. Luke Musgrave is my number two tight end just from an athleticism standpoint. Um, like with Gav- Gavin hit the nail on the head with these next two guys, in my opinion, with Luke Musgrave uh, and also Dalton Kincaid. Um you know, the comparison of him being Travis Kelsey, um, you know, that's just such an easy thing for, to throw him at because of the way he runs his routes is very similar. Um, so I, I like those two, uh, Luke Musgrave, then Dalton Kincaid. Um, um, at my number four is Michael Mayer, you know, and Gavin is actually correct on this one too. Like I was about ready to say the same thing, but Gavin beat me to it because he goes before me. Um. Just, just the ability to pick them up. You're not going to get worse, but it's not like, you know, the home run swing. Yeah. Yes, Gavin? Well, I,
0: I want to point out because there's multiple players on this list that we talked about and been like, oh, versatility, that's like really good because NFL teams can use them multiple ways. It's really hard to fuck up how you use uh, Michael Mayer because you know what he is. He's going to do it really well. I yes. almost feel like adding the versatility, while it's a great thing and like it does add that to an mm-hmm. NFL team. More often than not, that just fucks up how an NFL team uses them, and like they end up just not playing because they like can't figure out how
2: to use them, even though they can do well, multiple they, things. Or they well.
1: Exactly. More. Well, like somebody or they like Ricardo
2: and to yes. the blocks.
1: Yes, exactly. Yes. But somebody That's, like a Luke, Luke Musgrave, like they know his talent is catching ability. His talent is going out there and being able to run after the catch. So they're gonna put him in that situation.
0: We know that somebody's drafting Dalton Kincaid, trying to pay- play him as an extension of a left tackle, getting mad that he can't run block, and then never putting him out there again. And it's just, that's the shit that happens in the NFL. It sucks, especially at tight end. But, like, no, I I, I want to point that out about Michael Mayer. Because yes. it really does feel like you can just throw him in wherever because he's so safe. It's like it, a it,
1: negative. He's not great at anything, but he's good at everything. Yep. You know If that makes sense. Yep. So that's that's why he's so high on everybody's list. His ability to just be a Swiss Army knife of a tight end. So I, yes,
0: I, no. I uh the one thing that like kind of surprised me with him, especially with him being a Notre Dame tight end, because like I, I love looking at just like the behind the scenes stuff with these guys, and it was like A, it makes it like easier for me to like root for him and stuff when I see stuff about him personally, it makes them human beings. But B. Michael Mayer, as a Notre Dame tight end, had one of the most incomplete profiles, like as a person I've ever seen. <laughs> like at least, Jay- at least Jalen Widemeyer was stupid. Like <laughs> uh, Michael just... Mayer has nothing. Like he just like played offense and defense in high school, and then just like yeah. it's like his resume, like even off the field, is the same thing. Where it's just like, eh, like <laughs> it's uh, it's fine, I guess. Yeah, he didn't really do anything crazy.
1: Um my comp to Michael Mayer is Jason Witten. I don't know why. Yeah, I did you, Yeah, like if you squint, like it's Jason Witten. Yeah. Um run so,
0: five yards, turn, catch, fall down.
1: Yep. Um, and then for my number five is Luke Schoonmaker out of Michigan. I really like this guy. I don't know why. I don't know what it is about him. I like him. He 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 has room to grow an extra 10 pounds because right now he's at 6'7", 264. I think if he gets another 10 pounds, he could be like a really good Blocking tight end, he could be good at catching. He could be a, and he runs a pretty fast forty-two. He runs a four-six-four forty. What?
0: No, I'm no. It's not a big deal. What? I I want Sam and I to put together a compilation of Sam talking about or of Beans talking about players, and the first thing he says about them is I don't know why, but he just. <laughs> I, I
1: just like him. I just like him. He just likes I, him man. Don't, don't it's, worry. It's about
0: it. the you know here's a guy, but instead of it's you know now here's a guy. It's beans just like immediately like discounting his opinion.
1: No, yeah, but <laughs> just hey, see. hey, I just, I, but right. no, I, okay, but his size, his and is the one issue that I say Luke Schoonmaker has that um, really hurts him is ability to catch uncontested contested coverage. Um, But, you know, he didn't really get a lot of shots to, you know, make those contested catches. I think there was only, like, three or four to, like, look off of. So it was, like, really hard to have the ability to say, well, you know, is he really bad at contested coverage or is it just the amount of opportunities that were given to him? Um, But all in all, I like him. Um,
0: I I think that uh, the NFL, us, everyone collectively also just kind of It's really, really difficult to scout tight ends. It's even more difficult for the NFL after they have scouted them to use them correctly. So, like, I think that that makes what we're trying to do here really, really difficult. So you just kind of look for those, like, what is the trait that you like in this guy and how can we use it in our
1: offense? I was going to mention this earlier. Tight end is the easiest position to comp someone at. The yeah. hardest, the hard, I'd say, tight end and quarterback is probably the easiest to comp somebody out at. Running back, sometimes wide receiver, uh, wide receivers can be pretty easy, but running back and uh, offensive line is very hard to comp somebody. But somebody like a tight end, where you can like see their film, how they move, um, stuff like that, it's very easy to find a comp to them.
0: I think there's like very clear
2: types tight end. Yes, too. like yes. like there like very there's well a taught.
1: yeah yes. Because um
2: Kyle Pitts's who are actually wide receivers, your Travis Kelsey's who are, like, tight ends that are more receiver-ish, though. Yeah. You're blocking tight ends like your Mercedes Lewis's, and then your Jack-of-all-trade guys, like your T.J. Hawkinson's and, like, Jason Witten's and those guys. Yep.
1: Um And then for my – and then for my sleeper, I have Noah Gendorf out of North Dakota State. Let's um, go,
2: beans, It's because
1: of the day. No, well, that no. and that's a very not. It's a very tight end name. He has North Dakota State. Let's go. North Dakota State. Yeah. I think I think he has a pretty good ceiling. Um, six foot six, two hundred sixty four pounds. Uh, runs a 440. Four you know, just the ability that he did really good at the combine, in my opinion. Um, the one, so I have for his strengths, he has good size. He was a team captain at North Dakota State. Um, the dude, thousand miles an hour. He flies everywhere. Um, I, I don't think he has like a second gear at all. So whenever he's given it, it all is all like it, it he he is a machine. Um, and for his weak his weaknesses, he has kind of an injury history. Um, and you know, like kind of like the Michael Mayer, but just like you know, from an FCS standpoint. He's good at some, he's good at a lot of things, just not great. You know, he's just he's just good. Um, and so, uh, him coming out of FCS, I think if he has time to like develop, learn behind somebody, he can really grow to be something pretty special at the tight end too, and then kind of grow into the role of the tight end one.
2: All right, beans. Between quarterback, wide receiver, and uh, running back, what is your most controversial list? all of them all of them i could see that honestly <laughs> <laughs> um gavin where do you want to let's just
0: you, go quarterback we we've talked we'll quarterback, about two Bryce, okay we've talked about two irrelevant positions let's go to the most important all
2: right position. i'll start with mine um i have no problem with Bryce Young being my number 1 overall quarterback um if he th- this is funny because someone said if Marquise Noel was 62 he'd be like a top, like, 15 NBA draft pick. Well, Bryce Young was 6'2". Like, he would be the number one overall pick, like, slam dunk, no problem. He'd be troubled, um, right? I think the size is a concern, obviously, due to, like, injury stuff. But I think he runs less than Kyler, so I don't... He's slight, like, Ky- he's slight. He's slighter than Kyler, too. He- he's He's a... There's no good comp for him from a size standpoint because, really, Russell Wilson and Kyler are both a little bit more thickish. Um, And Bryce Young's pretty slight. So we'll have to see how he adjusts to that. But um, from just a pound-for-pound being a quarterback, he's the best. Um, CJ Stroud, I have it, too. I could be convinced to flip two and three around. Um, I think he's got sneaky athleticism. He's fairly accurate. He's playing a lot of big games. He he isn't even close, in my opinion, to the number one overall quarterback, though, because he throws to way better players. And someone will say, oh, well, Bryce Young plays at Alabama. Well, they don't have, like, any receiver worth of crap this year anyways. So that's my big hesitation on Stroud and why I would maybe consider flipping him with Anthony Richardson, who I have at three. Anthony Richardson's just an elite athlete. Um, he's got a cannon for an arm. Um, Very much a project, very much in that Josh Allen type archetype and, like, other quarterbacks like that. If given room to grow, he might become more of a Pat Mahomes, less of a Josh Allen and, like, Lamar type thing. I don't know. Kind of depends where he goes. If he goes somewhere that's going to pigeonhole him into running a lot, like Carolina did with Cam Newton, short career if you go somewhere like kansas city that prioritizes growth and like development he could be josh allen like that runs smarter um four i got will levis um this is purely just because everyone else seems to be high will levis and he's got a lot of traits and really there's no other quarterbacks that are great after that yeah Um, I'm not a huge Hendon Hooker fan. I think he's all right. I think that Hendon Hooker is throwing to two NFL caliber wideouts and is 25 and doesn't necessarily impress me. Whereas Will Levis is also basically 25, but throwing to no one in NFL teams seem to like him. Um, And then five, this is like my super hot take and you guys are going to grill me for this, but I genuinely think that Stetson Bennett is the fifth-best quarterback in this class. I, I think if you actually watch him play, he has a really good arm, and he just very much reminds me of – I'm trying to think of who it is. He just reminds me of uh, like, – I'm just going to – like this isn't an actual comp, but it's like Chad Henney in the sense where he's just going to manage the game and I know he's had some off-field stuff, like getting arrested, like before the combine. There's some decision-making stuff, and like you know, that's kind of a problem. But uh, you know, I don't really think there's any starting quarterbacks after the top four that I would see. So you're looking for the best backup, and Stetson Bennett feels like a 15-year backup. Yeah, and then my sleeper, the only other dude that I think has a chance if I'm just completely ignoring Hendon Hooker a becoming a cooler back is I really like Jake Keener I I think Jake Keener is a very I think he doesn't play with a lot at Fresno State and I think that kind of submerges his town I do like Jake Keener
1: I like Jake Keener too that's a good sleeper uh he was the senior bowl MVP um
2: yeah right. I I think he's good like I think the problem is the problem with any person like Jake Keener is you're kind of relying on him to get drafted to a team like, I don't know, like the Jets with like Aaron Rodgers or something for Zach Wilson to get hurt and then for Aaron Rodgers to get hurt and then for him to ball out or something. That might have been a little more convoluted than I wanted, but I'm drawing a bl- like. Ooh, Denver. It's like Denver drafts Jake Keener. Yeah. Russell Wilson stinks for four games, breaks his wrist. Jake Keener like, leads them into the playoffs. They cut yeah. Russ the next year and he's the next DAC. Like, you're kind of relying on that to get Jake Keener to become a thing. But, like, I do like, I do, I've watched a little bit of Jake Keener and I like his talent.
1: I like your list. Yeah.
0: Yeah. You. No, I think, uh, I'll kind of get into at the end of my list here why I absolutely see the thing with Stetson Bennett. I don't think that that's crazy. Um,
1: it it um, really fr- I, never mind. Sorry, go ahead.
0: No, I, I'll I'll get into I, I'll get into my list here um, and talk about that at the end. Um, just kind of as an overview, uh, all four of my top five quarterbacks. Just to, like give a overview of this class. Four of the top five have were like an Elite Eleven participant like during their recruiting yep. class, like th- this is a good quarterback class. Yeah. We're great. The problem it is, is, it is, as <laughs> Sam's kind of pointed out, every single one of them has at least one massive concern, if not like a litany of small concerns. Yes. Um, yeah,
2: there, there's no Andrew Luck in this draft. You
1: know, I, yes. I, I don't, I don't mean to put the cart before the horse, but if we're doing it to this year's draft class, imagine next year's draft class. Like, well,
0: the, the problem I have with doing that, and I want to get out ahead of this, uh, Sam Howell was having the same conversation that Drake May was, uh, like at this time, the year before his senior year. So let's just, before we just, like, you know, oh my God, look at this draft class next year. Let's like,
2: Matt, Matt Barkley stories happen all the time. Matt Barkley was the first overall pick in like the previous year's draft class. Yeah. And then he didn't declare and then he had a bad season. They was like, a well,
1: fallout. no, I'm just saying, like, we're having a tough time with these top four, like, you know, like they're they're all really good and then we're trying to find these small traits to kind of weed out the thin thin the herd a little bit like i think next year's draft class will won't be four it might be like up to six or seven you know like yeah, it's a higher Glenn number
2: Williams just like wins another heisman yeah there'll be him and then a bunch of five. yeah
1: then a bunch of like <laughs> <laughs> then, then like clear like yeah. five, two, two through six or whatever so yeah um, no i see it so sorry
2: so there's oh, yeah, a clear top I, four so who do you got in your top four um. So uh,
0: my top one, Bryce Young, don't even really need to add a whole lot there. We know everything there is. He's been the highest graded passer in the country the past two seasons and hasn't had good weapons when he did it. Everybody talks about that uh, CJ Stroud game against Georgia. Uh, go back and watch um, Bryce Young play against Georgia in a better Georgia defense, in my opinion, in that national championship game when John Mechie and Jameson Williams were hurt in the same receiver core, but with less like development and less talent out there and less time to prepare. Just the way he kept them in that game against Georgia was like, was just incredible. And the fact that they were even like close was just mind boggling, but yes, he's short. So whatever he's uh he's if he fails in the NFL, it's not because of his height. That's what I got to say on that. Uh, I'm going to say the second one and I'm going to duck. Um, Cause I have Will Evans it too. Um, I understand that he's going to be 24 when he first starts. He is the only quarterback left on this list that has played in a pro-style offense in college and played at an elite level. Yep. His, his sophomore year at Kentucky was with a NFL, like current NFL, or I guess uh, he was not with uh, offensive coordinator from the Rams last season. Sucked last season. Season before that, the offensive coordinator at the Rams was at Kentucky. He's actually back at Kentucky now. Um, had the same exact PFF grade as uh, Bryce Young that season with Again, not much talent. Fuck you, Wandale. Uh, and this season, he goes from a 90, 90.6 grade that year to a 70 grade this year. Just, like, falls off. But he did play at an elite level. And I have questions about CJ Stroud. I have questions about Anthony Richardson. But I've at least seen it one season from Will Levis in a in a system that can translate to the NFL. And I like that. Plus, he's just got, I've read on this podcast, the litany of, like, personal attributes that the dude has. Ironically, I mentioned that there's four of five Elite 11 participants in this class. He's actually not even one of them, too. Um, oh. Go, goes to Penn State, is kind of a under-recruited guy, and for whatever reason, they just stuck to Sean Clifford. Um, I've talked shit on Sean Clifford already on this podcast once. Um, he transfers away, immediately blows up at Kentucky. That's why he's so old, because it took him a second to get out of, uh, get out of there and find the right spot. I don't really hold that against him just because of how good that sophomore season was. But I see everything there with Will Levis. Now, we get to the next two guys. It's C.J. Stroud and Anthony Richardson in that order. C.J. Stroud, again, one of the most accurate quarterbacks in the country. He's been a team captain at Ohio State. Has everything you could ever want. Some people have him at one. I completely understand it. But Justin Fields is still, like, a shitty passer. Like, as much people, like, want to look at Justin Fields' fantasy production and say he's a good quarterback now – We still haven't seen a quarterback come out of Ohio state and be a good passer. We're past the point of helmet scouting. Like that is just a system that cannot produce NFL style quarterbacks. And until that happens, I just, I can't feel good putting them that high. Um, When we go to four, Anthony Richardson, Um, again, I, everything's there. Everybody saw the combine. He is a generational athlete. Honestly, I'd feel better about him. His six, his, his, chances in the NFL if he just transfer or if he just switched positions now um I, de- I mean dead series I know that's yeah. funny because Florida and everything but like the same way I joke about how like oh well Jalen Hurts and Josh Allen figured out how to play quarterback the moment that they got an elite receiver like I still don't believe that like you just all of a sudden become an accurate quarterback we have like still not a whole lot to say that you just fix accuracy and he's an objectively terrible like as, when it comes to like accurate passing playing the quarterback position, I actually think he does a lot of things maneuvering the pocket extending plays things like that well but when it comes to actually accurately delivering the ball to your playmakers regardless of where it's out on the field he just can't do it consistently and that scares the hell out of me um, he's gonna have the athleticism to buy him some time which is gonna help and he's only he's the youngest quarterback in this class which is gonna help but uh, still I He's going to get drafted first of all these guys because upside, and that's what the NFL loves. But I've seen the NFL fuck that up more times than I've seen that work, and I'm not, I'm not doing that if I'm an NFL team. I um, agree, my, yeah. My last guy, uh, Sam has um, – he- Jesus. Stetson Bennett here at five. Completely agree. Exact – or just a different thought process with that. I actually think NFL caliber quarterbacks ends at four. Um, I want a high-end backup at this point that I can depend on because I don't think there's an NFL-caliber player here. I'm going to grab Tander McKee from Stanford. He's got the size. He's from Stanford. He's on the honor roll at Stanford multiple years. He's been a team captain at Stanford multiple years. He was an elite 11 participant. Like Everything's just kind of there. He just never played at a high enough level for me to like, rationalize him being a good NFL player. He's just going to be a solid backup. He's going to be the guy that you want there. The only reason I'm not putting Stetson Bennett there, even though he's probably got, you know, he's a winner, he's got better arm, blah, blah, blah. Just if I'm going to have a backup doing that, because I think he is a career backup, I don't want the off the field stuff. Give me the guy from Stanford that I can depend on. That's just a personal preference thing. Um, And then uh, when it comes to sleepers, I'm taking Max Duggan from TCU. Because like I said, there's uh, there's no quarterbacks left in this class. And he's the one that I could rationalize cutting quickest. So he is, uh, that's how I'm handling sleepers in this year's draft classic quarterback.
2: So I thought there you were you go. We could do like Taysom Hill shit.
0: <laughs>
2: no, 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 no. He's, no. Uh, he,
0: he's the guy you can bring in and like as quickly as possible pick up a UDFA running back. So. No, I agree. Yep. Let's hear it, Beans, the different uh, order with different rationalizations.
1: No, I honestly like your guys' list is like spot on. So like number one, Bryce Young, the, when the only thing that I'm looking for outside of, you know, size is the way, you know, is, you know, structurally throwing the ball, you know, like then you're really searching for trying to find something wrong. Yes. yes. Can,
0: can we have the conversation about what's going to happen at number one now with Carolina trading up? Like, I mean, what? What? I know what we do. We've all got Bryce Young here. It seems pretty consensus. Most rational people I listen to like easily talk about Bryce Young being the best player outside of one thing, one little thing.
2: Bryce uh-huh. um, Young makes a lot of sense. It,
0: it feels is, like it's Anthony Richardson. I, I want
2: Anthony Richardson. Yeah. There so bad, and I don't know.
1: <laughs> I, again, I think, like, I this, think the NFL wants it to
2: happen. The, the dude, the problem is, is I don't want Anthony Rich. It, it feels like Cam Newton PTSD. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. I don't want Anthony Richardson to fucking Cam Newton unless, like, he has to because then he's only going to last for eight seasons. He has to with that receiver core. glad that <laughs> receiver core is bad. That's almost <laughs> why I don't want No, to same. There. Well,
1: but and that's... Like,
2: oh, you just want to, like, throw to fucking the ghost of Adam Thielen and maybe DJ Shark and Hayden Hurst and take, like, a billion sat? Actually, to be fair... Carolina's line isn't that bad. But it's like, do you want to just go throw to fucking no one and just like get hit a shit ton and waste your rookie season?
1: Like That's why I think Carolina is going to trade out of this pick. I don't think they're going to take I I honestly don't think cuz they cuz they think probably Texans are Why would you take Anthony Richardson at 1 when you could get assets at number 2 and have Texans trade up?
2: I know you're looking at beans like he's crazy, but like there's been multiple reports that that might happen, Gavin. So like What? Yeah. yeah you, 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 and you can
1: you call houston and say hey i'm taking bryce what are you going to give me to take and they throw assets at you you trade back one spot you still take anthony richardson even though you lied to them saying you're taking bryce so
0: do we just get rid of dj Moore for fun or like yes essentially.
1: yes essentially yes again I, no, go, it, go
0: on your i'm done Gavin, go on your it list.
1: doesn't make any
2: sense we talked about it last week yep. like there's reports about it it carolina right. it's carolina yes
1: it's it, stupid ownerships make stupid decisions anyways
2: that's true <clears throat> anyways rice young's one Who, who's two to four
1: number two is cj stroud i you guys have hit the nail on the head with everything that you guys have said about cj stroud um number three anthony richardson you guys have said every, i am honestly i wanted to put him at number two it's just like everybody says it's the consistency issues.
2: He's not good (laughs) enough to justify putting him over CJ Stroud. That's
1: no, and that's what's hard. That's what's hard is, but you know, if you look at those last six games, it's like a special type of talent. Those last six, he had a twelve to two touchdown interception ratio, Um, and he looked. And everybody comps him to Cam Newton. I think he looks like Josh Allen, like the way he throws the ball. And I think if he goes to the right system, and you know. I don't want to say develops like Josh Allen. I I, I think if he goes to the right system where they teach him and he learns, I think he could be a special type of quarterback in the NFL. To me, this is
2: very much
1: like – you remember the
2: draft class with, like, Lamar Jackson and all them? Oh, yeah. Lamar Jackson was, like, my quarterback, like, five, I think, at that point. I can't remember exactly the order. He was like four or five, but like I also did a ranking of like, oh, if these guys hit their ceilings, like they'd be this and Lamar was number one because it was like if Lamar ever actually figured out how to like do everything, like he's the best quarterback prospect I've ever seen.
0: Lamar's the only one out of that draft class outside Josh Rosen to Rosen not be employed right now.
2: <laughs> he is on a franchise tag technically, but correct. You are not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> no lies were yeah.
1: um, so anyways, at number four I have Will Levis. Um, a lot of people like to point out to Will Levis like his senior year, like, oh, a lot of his a lot of his throws were behind uh, the line of scrimmage. it's just like, well, look at the wide receiver core he had to work with. Um, of course, and then they'd be like, oh, well, look at his interception ratio. And I'm like, well, look at how many of them were tipped balls. So, those things you have to kind of really look at. I, I, I think what was it like seven of them, uh, seven of those interceptions were considered tipped balls. So, you can't really fully blame everything that's gone wrong with Will Levis this last season on Will Levis. Um, but as far as pro style ready quarterback, um, it is Will Levis, I think. Um, the other three guys in front of him, the only thing that's separating him is just sheer athleticism. So that's kind of the gap there. Um, and then at number five, I have Tanner McKee, everything Gavin said about Tanner McKee is so fucking right. Just the ability to be smart and just, a, just an IQ, high IQ football player. He's going to make a, he's going to make a career living just being a backup because, because he's so fucking smart and learning offense real fast.
0: Not, not, not to like, like, point this out like against you sam because an nfl team's going to do it and like you're 100 right on that but like you're gonna throw stetson bennett who like was celebrating a national championship and out just got caught intoxicated in public and just like you know ha- has the interruption with the police versus a dude that just went on a mission missionary trip straight out of high school and that's the reason he's 23 not 21 and like, it's, I don't really think there's any different like ability of quarterbacks. So that's like, that's where it comes to the tiebreaker. And I know an NFL team I is going to think, draft.
2: Sets actually good though, is like the thing. Like, I don't think he's NFL starting quarterback caliber good, but like, I think he's like top like 40 to 45 quarterback good.
0: I guess that's still just backup in my mind. So it doesn't, well, it is just a backup,
2: but it could be a starter. Like it, it like, here's the thing. Tanrakey's fine, all finding good. Like he could very much, he could very well do like what Davis Mills has been doing, and like get drafted to some hellhole of an organization and have to start for two years. But like, I could also see Stetson Bennett doing that. Like, I could also like I could just see Stetson Bennett like starting for two years, and I think he could just actually play better. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah,
1: I Stetson no, I Bennett. agree.
2: Here is my thing: Stetson Bennett to me has like. Gardner Minshew level ability to where it's like, mm, we could start this guy. He's like the quarterback thirty-four, so we won't. But he could be a starter where Tanner McKee's more of like Davis Mills. Where it's like, yeah. oh this yeah, this guy has a I lot of talent fair. and he's like smart. And that it, it's kind of a lazy comp because Davis Mills is also from Stanford. But yeah. it's like, oh, this guy is talent, this guy's smart, but like he's not gonna put it together. Yeah. I I understand. I almost agree.
1: And then for my sleeper, uh, I have Dorian Thompson Robinson out of UCLA. I love I, DTR. I love DTR, man. I love watching his tape. Um honestly, like you know what place would really suit him well? Eagles. Yes, and who else? Yes. Rain oh no, no. No, the Ravens, yes. I honestly the so Ravens do 10 coordinates, doesn't matter anymore. So it doesn't matter anymore, but yes, uh something like that. Um I, the, I, I love me some DTR. Uh, he's six problem, foot two. Go ahead. go ahead. He's six foot two, 203 pounds. He does have some room to grow, but dude, dude he's fast. Um, he he can really read off the RPO, which is what the NFL is moving to. know. that's what they want to see. Um, so I, I, I love me some DTR.
0: The problem with your sleeper is he's good enough and athletic enough to talk an NFL team into potentially making a bad decision with him. Whereas Max Duggan, there's no potential of making a bad decision.
2: Like he's just gonna be gone. So it's, there's no you're,
1: risk. You're like just wa- you're Duggan. just wasting a pick with Max Duggan with DTR. Uh, you no, know, you I never know. know.
2: Reminds me so much of Tyler Huntley.
1: Exact dude. Yeah. Yes, yes, that if is like
2: Jackson guy.
1: Yes, exactly. That is exactly who I have him compared to is, is uh, Tyler Huntley.
2: All right, running backs. Um, I was so close to making all five of my players Bajin. And uh, then my sleeper, my sleeper would have been Bajin, but like, you know, on the Colts or something like that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Bajin, but on the Giants. Um,
2: anyways, so yeah, it's Bajin Robinson's the running back one. Like, I'm not even going to explain myself. Bajin Robinson is pretty much if you go into any prospect profile – like ranking database, he's like the best running back prospect since like Saquon Barkley.
1: Which is what a lot of comps have him at.
2: Which I don't necessarily agree. Saquon's a much different player in my opinion. He's more of a home run hitter and Robinson's more of a vision, like in the phone booth. He's a, he's a
1: slow burn.
2: Yeah. Like they're, they're not, they're not even close to the same player. Like I don't even know how that comp is like a thing.
1: Robinson.
2: Johnson Robinson reminds comp. me more of LeBelle, if I'm being honest.
1: Yeah, his running style yeah. is very similar. Yes, I, well, that's I, I good. feel
2: like that's how you have to comp running backs. So Those run style. Like, yes. I don't care if you're the same size and weight and speed as Saquon Barkley. If You play nothing like Saquon Barkley. Then you're not like that's a horrible comp. Like if you're like if you're just a pass catching running back.
1: Like, I mean, Deuce Vaughn's running style is the same way as Le'Veon Bell. Wait, let the hole develop, and then hit it hard.
2: Yeah, like like his comp is close to Le'Veon Bell. You got to factor in size a little bit, too. Deuce Vaughn's such a weird player, you can't even really fucking do anything with him. But anyways, um, I got Jameer Gibbs, number two, because he has an elite trait, and I don't think really. So, kind of with running backs, I'm looking for elite traits, and that's kind of how I want to rank them is based on elite traits. Christian Robinson has got a lot of elite traits and Gibbs that has a couple of elite traits. He's got really good speed, really good pass catching ability. So, I mean, that's going to work in the NFL. He honestly kind of reminds me of James Cook, but better. James Cook had some success in Buffalo towards the end of the year. So you can kind of see the vision on how he fits into the NFL. And then. I have Devon A-Chain at number three because he is really fast. <laughs> and he is also – A-Chain is also a little bit thicker, if that makes sense.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Like, he's thick and fast. I know Gavin's laughing at me because he thinks I'm lying, which could or could not be true. But I actually do him at three because I think he has an elite trait. He, I know his cop, a lot of people are Naheem Hines, and Naheem Hines is, like, valuable. He's not valuable in, like, fantasy, for instance, but he's valuable yeah. like to an NFL team. Yes. Um, and then I got Sean Tucker at four because he pretty, I don't know, he's fast and whatever. And I got, like, Charbonnet at five. I'm not a huge fan of Zach Charbonnet, to be completely honest. Like, he kind of does a lot he's not super fast he's big but like I don't really see him as powerful he got replaced by Hassan Haskins who was a six-run draft pick and like he can catch the ball but it's like he's okay he he feels like if he, he feels like fat, Jerick McKinnon is pretty much what I'm getting at. <laughs> like, he feel, like he feels like like a third down back that's just big. Like yeah. I don't I don't get it. I, I'm not I don't really get it. If that makes sense. Um, and then my sleeper pick is based off of exactly one week zero game, and it's Evan Hall from Northwestern, and I really just like his motor and like how he runs, and he's a pretty good athlete as well. He also was one of the only running backs to run like three cone stuff. And right. he did really well on it. Um,
0: so I, I'm not even talking about Bijan.
2: Yeah, no, we shouldn't. He, he's number yeah. one for everyone. The
0: only thing I'll even try to add is uh, he has been on the honor roll since he's got to Texas. So there, I mean, there's literally like no holes they can poke in this <laughs> guy.
1: Um, he opens the door for his girlfriend for in the car, so that he, he's yeah. the nicest guy in the world. Um, it, it, like literally, the only knock on him is he doesn't run like a
2: four three. Like that's it.
0: Some uh, a um guy that I am gonna poke holes in because it just feels really hard to get behind him is Jameer Gibbs. And I, when I say get behind him, I mean get behind him in terms of like where I think a lot of the NFL views him, where a lot of fantasy Twitter views him. It's Jameer Gibbs, I, I know the size thing, and that's just like a cop out. He feels like it's it's not the size. And his ability, that is the issue. It is a NFL team's ability to use him correctly. That is the issue.
2: And Everyone I, just assumes he'll be Kamara, but he might just end up being the new DeAndre Swift.
0: Well, uh, I'm like, I actually think uh, him actually running the 40 at the Combine was one of the dumbest things I've ever seen
2: because um,
0: – what is he reminds me of Travis Etienne a lot in a, like but like the great value version of Travis Etienne because Travis Etienne came to the combine, weighed in and didn't run. He weighs in at 205 and everybody goes, Oh, now he's big, so like we're good to go. Travis Etienne was a guy that was like sub sub two hundred in college as well. Uh, Jameer Gibbs actually like put on a little bit of weight to weigh on weigh in at 199, but he also still ran the 436. So like he still ran super fucking fast, was like clearly not putting on bad weight. Um, him coming in and just putting on weight would have helped him. when like, you think about it, Trav is still a guy that's getting like 20 carries a game when he's like healthy and like getting 20 opportunities. Like the Jags don't give a fuck that he's, you know, small because he's still small. He might be less than 200 pounds right now, but some NFL team that drafts Jameer Gibbs is going to look at him and just be like, all right, we just can't give you everything. I, I like the James Cook. Th- He's actually bigger than James Cook. He, I agree, James Cook plus. And there's, there's value there. He actually feels like the running back that should be played out at wide receiver. The NFL teams will never do that correctly. Um, and that just, it sucks because you know Jameer Gibbs is going to be perpetually underutilized. But with that said, I still got him at two. He's still the second best running back in this class like Sam said, still adds that elite trait and is produced at an elite level at one of the best uh, schools in the country. Like, there's just not a whole lot there. I will never forget, I promise this isn't the reason I have him at two, but just like that moment, watching in the Sugar Bowl, him come in motion across with our 240-pound linebacker that is escaping my name, and thinking in my brain, watching him come in man coverage across the formation and thinking, oh no, we are in trouble. Because Jameer Gibbs in motion was faster than the linebacker chasing him. And they just simply hiked the ball, threw it on a drag, and he just outruns the 240-pound linebacker because he's fucking fast. And it's that type of shit that he, he can't – he will add to an offense in the NFL, but not on a, like, consistent basis, which sucks. Um, as you can probably tell by the way Sam kind of approached these next guys, they're kind of all the same, and they're kind of all the same for possibly a while um some nfl teams are gonna buy into these guys some aren't and that's gonna help kind of divide it up a little bit i have sean tucker next actually as well um he just kind of checks every box i know there's a lot of like film people that like hate him but like until they hate him because
1: he's 5'9 they hate him because he's 5'9
0: but he's still big so that's the problem like i don't give a shit that he's 5'9 he's got the size so it doesn't matter uh I, I don't know. He, until I see him not check a box, it feels disingenuous to not put him here. Like, he's on the honor roll. He's doing everything he's supposed to there. He's producing. He's even, like, I don't know if you guys have seen, like, his uh, post, like, post game that put off puts on Twitter. He literally yeah. will do, like, a synopsis after, like, Syracuse games, which I just find, like, fun. Like, I don't know. It's, like, one thing that just adds a little bit to Sean Tucker that I appreciate. Um, he's a character. That, yeah. Zach Charbonnet is next. The problem with Zach Charbonnet that I have has nothing to do with Zach Charbonnet himself. He could have came out last year. Borderline should have came out last year. There's no reason that he shouldn't have. He already had the big year at US uh, UCLA, but he doesn't. Presumably because the NFL is telling him like we're not going to draft you high, so you need to stay and like prove it again. He stays. He does. He does the exact same thing. Leads the nation in all-purpose yards, and you still see him on like mock draft like sites like consensus boards like being like a fourth, fifth, sixth round projected running back. And that just scares me in terms of like trying to rank him up here. Cause there's no reason to not like him, but apparently the NFL doesn't. And like, I, what sucks about running back is it's the easiest position in the, in the draft for you to prove yourself right with by just giving the dude the ball. It's the only position that you just decide to give the ball to. Um, so as much as like, that's just a cop out. It's, the way I feel Devon 18 is next he's super fast he's like discount Jameer Gibbs did it in the SEC I don't understand how he can have the like almost have the size and he can produce in the SEC and that like matters for some players and doesn't matter for some players but he did it he did the same thing that Jameer Gibbs did except Devon Achane did it for more years in the SEC so I he's small Get over it. Jameer Gibbs is small and you ranked him high. I don't know. He, he's still going to get drafted high and he's going to get used. Um, sleeper, running back. Um, I, I, I'm i not a homer. Deuce just feels like the guy I want to, like, pin my name to because he's proven people wrong every step along the way. He's not going to get drafted high, but if he can put together the special teams and cling onto a roster – he I, the Darren Sproles career path is just there. It's just right there for the taking, and I feel like Deuce is the type of guy that has every sort of ability to actually just come follow along that. Which I'm extremely excited to see as a K State fan.
1: Oh, yeah, that's a good that's a good list. Um, you know, there's not going to be a eh, there might be a little bit of discrepancies here. Um, <clears throat> so number one, Bijan. Number two, Gibbs. I don't think anybody's going to like. You know, hit on that. My number three is uh, Ty J Spears. I am a really big on Ty J. Spears. His size, his frame, his running style, his ability to make plays happen. I, I'm really, you know, if you watch the last eight games of Tulane's uh, games, lost. Watch, la- watch his last eight games. He is a magical runner. There was one play I saw. His ability to stay on his feet is unreal. There was one play where he was like getting forced out of bounds and like he, he just wouldn't, he refused. He refused to go out of bounds. He stayed on his feet and got an extra five or six yards off of it. It was beautiful, magical. Um, just, just off of a, like a 10 yard run. I've never seen like a, a runner do that with my like ability to watch him and just pull my eyes to him on a, on a 10 yard run. Um, let's see here. So number Uh, number four and five, in my opinion, are kind of, you know, you can flip flop them. They're the same. Um, Just, just a few slight separations. I have Sean Tucker at number four, Um, just a bigger body running, back. I think his ability to make it in the NFL um, will be pretty successful. I think a lot of teams will appreciate his, uh, his red zone presence. Um, And then Charbonnet at five. The reason he's at number five for me is a, he runs upright. Uh, and a lot of times the NFL, if you're running straight up, you're going to get folded at some point. Um, I, I don't know. Uh, those two are kind of reversible just because of how they run. Um, and then for my sleeper, I, I love Chase Brown. Chase Brown out of Illinois. The more I watch his film, I, he might be in my top five. I don't know. I keep watching him, and I'm just like, man, this guy's a good runner. <laughs> this, guy, this guy's good at, the, good, good at the old running back position. Um, let's see here. Uh, there's, it, a really, there's a really good point I had about him.
0: It, he's another guy that just like kind of out, across the board, che- checks a lot of boxes, I want to say. His, uh, like, yards per carry is a little low for um, a career, especially at Illinois. But in terms of just, like, raw production, especially uh, tested, like, very, oh.
3: very, very well for his size.
1: Yes, with his size, um, what, what he does really well at is, like, watch, if you go back and watch his games, like, he changes speeds so well. Uh, he'll be, like, it looks like he's running fast. And then he just hits another gear so that way he just beats the backer off the edge. Uh so his ability to change speeds, I think, will be really uh um monumental in the NFL, in my opinion. Yep. I'm surprised I, I'm surprised I didn't get more for not having, you know, A chain on there and having Tai so so uh, high. I
2: mean a lot of a lot of things are very the same. I right. I do want to Shout out one more guy because I thought that one of you guys might him of sleep, but neither of you did. Um, just a name to keep in mind is the uh, Jesus Christ man. Okay, uh, Daneric Pierce out of uh, Tulsa.
1: Oh the- yeah,
2: guy two sixteen ran a four four one.
1: Yeah, he-, he knows
2: if he's actually any good, but he he athlete good.
1: Uh, that was the only way I caught that caught my eye uh I haven't watched anything on him but when I saw when I saw his 40 time I was like man I, I should probably go back yeah, and watch like something on him before and it's like hmm,
2: okay yeah
0: there there's one guy in this draft class that he's like he's he's the film like the film grinder just like dude the people that just like I love this guy I see it consistently and I keep waiting to like be wowed at literally anything else other than people on like that are not scouts telling me that he looks really good on this YouTube highlight reel they watched. Uh and that Zach Evans, the guy the yeah. old, and the TCU transfer, I see him all the time on just like people like I like love him and stuff. And he goes to the combine, he's just not good. Like Ways like Weighs in small, doesn't even I did not even think he did test. Productions always lacking. Just yeah. Like, just no, that was the thing
2: th- though. Is like he slimmed down to run the forty and then like he got hurt and couldn't run the forty
0: yeah i yeah i uh, wait like he's listed at lift lifted listed at 215 and weighing in at 202 is like putting you in as a different type of nfl running back almost
1: yeah exactly
2: yeah he's a, dude tank bigsby's another guy that mm-hmm. fell off the face of the air well, tank bigsby is basically this year's isaiah spiller except like two years in the future two years in the past
1: uh that was shocked that none of us had kendry miller on there
2: so, Kendra Miller just kind of, I mean, I don't know. He's more in the sleeper range, in my opinion. Like, I don't know. He couldn't pick up one yard against K State. So, you know, can't be <laughs> that good.
1: Can you blame him or the O line on that? I watched that and I'm like, the more I watched that play, I'm like, man, I think that was yeah, O line's
2: fault. Eli before. Huggins ate all those blocks. I understand that. Kendra Miller still needs to get the, the ball in the end zone.
0: I think Kendra Miller is like a perfectly fine running back in a class full of perfectly fine running backs. Mm -hmm. But my problem with him is the, just the injury and like, he's just going to fall because of that. And he's just probably not going to get an opportunity because of that. Like,
1: man, you give, you give a guy a ball, you got, you give a guy the ball 30 times a game at some point. It's going to wear on him. Well, like he's, He's no one's given from from the the injury 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 30 first. times a year, by the way. No, I'm saying TCU kind of workloaded him, which kind of uh, led to an injury. Which kind of led to an it. They
2: had a good backup running back too. Yeah, it he, he did play quarterback a play of like split the. So, not to mention the quarterback could you know also run the ball. All right, let's go okay. to the fun. Let's go to the fun wide, position. Final part: wide receivers. Uh, number one is JSN. He's the only dude who's had elite production, like elite, elite production. With other NFL wide receivers on his team when he was able to outproduce Garrett Wilson, outproduce Chris Olave. Like has off-the-chart athleticism in terms of like 10 uh 20-yard shuttle. Yeah, it, off the off-the-chart agility. Um some might say he's just a slot receiver. Well, he can be an elite slot receiver, like Cooper Cup is like an elite slot receiver. So whatever um and then these two are pretty much the same they're they're whichever cup of tea you want i just have them tied for second honestly because it really just depends what you want if you want the small but good route runner um you want jordan addison if you want the raw athlete that's as like ideal size you want quinton johnston so like it's kind of whichever cup of tea you want. Um, if you want upside, it's Quentin Johnston. If you want probably guaranteed production, it's probably Addison. Uh, they're just tied for second for me because they're they're both like equally flawed. If that makes sense, they're both good, but they both have major issues. Like Jordan Addison is pretty small and not an elite athlete and Quentin Johnston is smaller than we thought and pretty raw, but a good athlete in theory, at least on tape. So again, it's kind of just your cup of tea, whichever one I personally, I personally prefer Addison just because he feels like a safer player but Quinton Johnston, if he hits, is going to be, like, a better player. So, that's why they're tied. Um, number four, technically, since I tied for second. I'm going to say Flowers. Um, he's rising up a lot of draft boards recently. Um, I don't know. People just like him. Um, I see him in the like first round a lot. He's a consummate person, too, because he's stuck at Boston College, even though a ton of teams tried to, like, pay him to go to their team. So he seems like a very good teammate, team first guy, values education because Boston College is pretty good, good university and all that crap. So. (laughs) All all that crap. All that crap. So, I don't know, just seems like an easy guy to root for, too. And then I went off the fucking – Wall for um my five because I really I don't really like Josh Downs like that like I, I I think this person's objectively worse than like some of these other guys I just wanted to say him um but like he's probably worse than Josh Downs he's probably worse than Jalen Hyatt but like I just don't I'm not a huge fan of Josh Downs and like Jalen Hyatt not running like fast as fuck like. What does he even do then? Um, so I chose someone who did run fast as fuck. And I chose Trey Palmer because I'm an idiot.
3: So they Damn, Out of left field! Watch, yeah, out, watch they- out, watch out, watch
2: out! Yeah, there's fucking Trey Palmer for you, I, I guess. There is a Trey Palmer alert. And oh my then, like, god, this now. is
1: like the biggest Beans moment of like the night. Yeah. And it's not even from Beans did sure fine
2: whatever i don't even like <laughs> um and then my sleeper who actually might just be better than my fifth best receiver is uh iasovas from princeton he's just really tall and really fast and apparently smart um if i had to choose an actual fifth best receiver that isn't like Palmer, it's it's it, hard
0: in this class. I'm not, not Loki might
2: be like Cedric Tillman. Like that's not even a joke.
0: Yeah, like he's a I, better
2: He's better at being an actual wide receiver than like Jalen Hyatt. Jalen Hyatt just is supposedly really fast.
0: But Sam, you had KeShawn Butte on your Devi teams for three years. How could you not list him as? Did a-
2: Someone trade it. You know for a fact. Someone traded, like, Josh Allen for, like, some chambute and, like, and some another rookie pick or something, and they missed on that rookie pick, and, you know, they just want to jump off a bridge right now in Debbie. <laughs> like, God, oh, I've Debbie. got
0: DeMar Chase in 2023 now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so, um. Debbie's
2: I, weird, by the way.
0: Yes, I'm gonna make fun of it until uh, people are actually good at it. But um, so, Jackson Smith and Jigba is the only wide receiver in this class that is elite at playing the position of wide receiver. Um, so he's my top right wide receiver in the class. It's crazy how that worked. Turns out I don't give a fuck where he does that. Um, he can play. I don't believe he's like a slot receiver i think he can go play on the outside just fine just like a guy like keenan allen does i don't want to even like put him into the uh, like keenan allen like mold of like can't go downfield can't do that type of stuff um he actually like during his you know the nfl big, ones do yeah dur- during the like big season at ohio state he was like top of the country in 15 plus yard catches so like I as much as he might not have the speed to get open downfield, um, if you're a good route runner, you getting open uh, 25 yards downfield versus at the line of scrimmage, like you're getting open, they'll get you the ball. That's uh, that's get, getting open is the thing that matters there, and he does it better than anybody else in this draft class. Um, I really don't even need to like dive too much more into that. Similar to Sam, I honestly I have Quinn Johnson <coughs> same tier. I don't have them ranked. Uh, they're just so sitting there both at two, like Sam has. I have Quentin Johnson first just because he brings a lot of the things that Jordan Addison can't to the table. And in theory, Quentin Johnson could figure it out. I wish I could just stop this class at one and not pin my name to anybody. Like, past Jackson Smith and Jacob, to be 100% honest with you, Quentin Johnson wants to be a, like, good route runner and wants to be a wide receiver so bad, but, like, is stuck in the frame of a... Uh, like kind of athletic jump ball receiver that can't do jump balls. And it feels really weird. And I don't really understand him. Um, Jordan, Jordan Addison at least has the, like I've always been good. Trump card like shows up in college was good. Has the breakout season as a sophomore. I've, I've talked on this podcast before about how it just always feels like he's just right at the cusp of being really good. And you just always want more, and you just can't quite give it to you. And felt like he was almost a gadgety type player at USC, which doesn't feel good at all. Um, takes like a step back after going from Pitt to USC, which you expect, but you'd also not want to see from a elite player. Um, I think he's fine. I think he tops out as like a. I, I told Sam this like a couple months back, and I still feel the same way. He's just, he feels like a great value, Jahan Dotson. And that just kind of feels, like, gross for this draft class considering Jahan Dotson was, like, the seventh or eighth wide receiver last year. I, I, I guess I should point that out. Other than Jackson Smith and Jigba, I'm take I'm probably taking everybody down below the, like, I'll, I'll probably take Sky Moore, Traylon Burks, and Jahan Dotson over Quentin Johnson and Jordan Addison
2: and, like, everyone beyond that. Like, it's, I, like,
1: one and then, like, gap and then, like, run and then like run on receivers. And then, yeah, like, yeah. The,
2: yeah. The, a lot of them are very similar.
0: And come draft time, I'm almost there already. If, if, if Zay Flowers would have transferred out of Boston College and, like, ever played with, like, a non-insurance salesman quarterback, Probably would be a, ranked ahead of Jordan Addison. Hey, and respect
2: Johnson. Pete Jerkovic. Uh,
0: he'd be ranked ahead of Quint Johnson, Jordan Addison. Just never seen it as the issue. But like Sam said, he sticks it out. He's a team captain there. He meant everything to Boston College. He was Boston College football for a while. And he does a lot. He's In terms of... I'm going to piss a lot of people off here in terms of actually playing wide receiver and doing wide receiver things. I think he is a step above of Jordan Addison. Um, I actually have him like rated higher watching them both on film. Uh, but like, again, it just comes down to that. Like I've seen it from Jordan Addison at an elite level at Pitt. Think about that. However you want. I just haven't quite seen that from Zay. It's a bunch of like, you know, traits based stuff with Zay that you hope translates and you hope that like is actually there. Not just he's the only guy at Boston College and being mid at that. But when it comes to the next guy, again, I feel like this, like, same way we talked about quarterbacks, where there's four and then a drop-off, even though those three are a clear drop-off from Jackson Smith and Jigba. I have Jalen Hyatt here. He disappointed in the 40, but, like, he, he doesn't even really win with crazy speed. I think he's going to get drafted high, which is going to help him. And he's going to get on a field. And the NFL teams are going to tell him to run in a straight line for a long time and at least take the top off of defenses, which has more value than I think other wide receivers in this class can do anyways. The best, <laughs> This is going to sound so stupid. The best. The only thing that he does really, really well, everything else is just either mid or terrible, is he avoids contact going downfield better than, like, in terms of vertical route tree, better than any wide receiver I've, like, watched. He's just, I'm going to get downfield as fast as possible with, like, as little uh, as little opposition as possible. And it works. NFL college corners are terrible. They just kind of, like, expect him to, like, run into them or expect to press him, And he just will go five yards out of the way and never lose, like, any speed. And then, oh, shit, he's stacked on top of me and he's gone. And that worked really well for a bunch of plays at Tennessee. I don't really think it'll translate. And if it does, it's a couple big plays and that's kind of it. He looks like a fucking freight train when he's turning 90 degrees or, or more on the football field. Um, so yeah, that just kind of, I, obviously you can sense the, um, the happiness that I'm having, like uh, ranking these guys. Uh, Jalen Hyatt on top of it has like no special teams experience. He never has done a sport other than football. Um he has no academic success on his resume. I have in his profile just a complete and utter overall lack of versatility <laughs> as a trait for him. So um he's gonna run straight and he's he can't even stop running straight well. He sucks nope. at running curls. Like it's just he's gonna run straight. He's gonna do that a couple times. Feels like Darius Slayton, but like minus like three or whatever. <laughs> like he's not he's like insurance salesman D- Darius Slayton. There you
2: go. I like Darius Slayton, too. That's Darius crazy. Darius Slayton, like, Slayton, like, Slayton got, like, third-round draft capital, too. And Jalen yeah. Hyatt might get, like, first because TV's right. stupid. Yep. No. Um,
0: I, so, Beans, I am contractually obligated to give a sleeper. <sighs> Fine. Um, all right. It's uh, Dalton Kincaid, probably, if I'm being honest with
3: you.
0: <laughs> 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 Um, <laughs> I got to give one. God damn it, I don't want to give one. Um, let me go to, uh, shit. Looking down, it's got to be. I want to go to the Yoshi Vos guy, but he's already been called. Um, he does at least the uh, Princeton dude. He does at least have like an incredible. He played ran track at Princeton. Which yeah, at it. Uh, the Kathleen super fast in sixty meters. Played played basketball and track in high school is great. There NHS member team captain just. All-around athlete, just unfortunately has no fucking idea of what he's doing playing wide receiver, um, which makes sense since he's probably studying very hard at Princeton. Uh, I will – said Ced- Cedric Till- Tillman was a great call-out too, Sam. I actually really like that one. I'll probably go Jaden Reed from Michigan State. He's a guy that is, like, I've heard about before in the past. I think he's just very okay, but he at least has that – I could see him just kind of developing into some like Tyler Boyd – minus you know some like b minus tyler boyd type guy that can play you'd be fine as like your three if you had to
1: he's a very good slow burn
0: yeah it's it's shitty he's one of the best returners in this draft class too so you can at least add that like yeah at that but i got i got nothing for you in this wide receiver class it's just shit like be honest with you you can quote graphic that what do you got beans
1: all right. So we're going to fly through this one because it's uh, not going to get spicy until number four. Um, so JSN, Quentin Johnston, Jordan Addison. What? Same reasons.
3: Okay. Never mind.
0: Anyways,
1: JSN, Quentin Johnston, Jordan Addison at one, two, and three. Um, same reasons. You know, one, clearly defined one, gap, two, three. Four, I mean, it's the same guys as you guys. It's Zay Flowers, but I, no, it's not controversial. It's just I love Zay Flowers. I, I like him as a player. I am. I am setting it down right now. His comp to me is Tyler Lockett. I see like the way he plays. It just reminds me a lot of Tyler Lockett. Um, very big on that. Um, that's what I wanted to talk about there. No, five is my controversy. It, Cedric Tillman's my number five. Yeah. And yeah. it's Cedric
2: because I love on this podcast.
1: No, I honestly think he was the better wide receiver at Tennessee. I, yeah. I honestly do. Because Hyatt, like Gavin mentioned, he hit every nail on the head on how Hyatt is just one-dimensional. He is a runner. That was it.
3: He's like half-dimensional.
1: C- Cedric Tillman's wide receiver has <laughs> – Cedric <laughs> Tillman has has the route tree. He His route tree isn't very large, but he's very good at those, like, the ones he's good at. You know, he's got a small route tree, but he's got those defined down. He had a 1,000-yard rec- receiving season in 2021, I think it was. Which was the first time since 2012 in Tennessee. So he's got the ability to be that yak and you know reception receiver. Uh good body frame. Uh let me look at his size again. Um yeah, six foot three, two hundred and thirteen pounds, ten inch hands, 32 and a half thirty-two and three quarters inch arms. You know, like I think being in the right system, I think he could develop. Um you know, usually when you do a top five list, you think they all should be wide receiver ones. I think it's a uh, JSN wide receiver one, and then a bunch of wide receiver twos. Um, but I think Cedric, I think Cedric Tillman might be like a solid wide receiver two in the NFL, uh, like a T. Higgins, T. Higgins esque role. So um, he
2: reminds me. This isn't like this is not like what I want you to like think I'm comparing to. I'm not comparing him. To no, game yeah. Style. This is more about like the player that like I think like the level he could be. He reminds me of like a Robert Woods level player. Like he just feels like that, where it's like the guy who's just gonna go and be like super solid for like six years. You know what I mean? And like never yeah. actually be the number one like player. Oh god, what is this? Jalen Hyatt's route tree, probably. That's a
0: 10 route that he runs. It's not a nine. It's even beyond that.
1: Oh, yeah. It's further than nine. It's like so a 12.
0: The rule with this college defense is the free safety and the corner can't leave their bubbles. So um, Jalen Hyatt just runs around them. And then that gets you 1,600 receiving yards in the SEC.
1: Yes, that's exactly what happens.
0: And that, that's, how, that's, that's how the offense works.
1: Beautiful. Yeah, that, and a uh, big arm goes burr for Tennessee. That's how that works. Yeah.
0: I mean, it's um, the, the corner just never touches them, and the free safety can't get over there. It works really well.
1: And so i that's why I don't have Hyatt at my five is because I think Tillman's more uh, uh, d- d- versatile. Is that a versa, more versatile? More ver- versatile. Moderna. Yeah, moder- Moderna. Anyways, um, my sleeper. You guys know who it is. I've been pounding on this tree for a long fucking time. It's Charlie Jones out of Purdue. I love me some Charlie Jones. God, he is such... His route running ability is so crisp. So crisp. I love his... um, The only knock that I truly have for Charlie Jones... um, I have a couple. He's white. (laughs) No. (laughs) No. Is Correct. Is his ability to, whenever somebody's pressed on him, which is going to be really hard to transverse into the NFL, is when somebody's pressed up on him um, to shake it off. But I think with time, he could grow into like a Hunter Renfro, which is such an easy comp. You know, Hunter Renfro, he's white. Um, I think he could grow into that Hunter Renfro role. Um, so. So, I,
0: I want to... Um issue an apology on this podcast because I did make fun of beans for Charlie Jones. And while Charlie Jones is still not a good football player, um, (laughs) it is not to the level of making fun of beans to the level that I did. And I at least want to apologize to that because there was nothing that blew my mind and boggled myself more than the level of athlete that Charlie Jones was. It makes no sense. Charlie yep. Jones is one of the best receivers in this draft class at, at just getting leverage on his defender every rep. But he would do that. I, if it's an in breaking slant, he's getting off press. He's making sure that before the break he's on the inside shoulder of his defender. That way he, he can- he's
1: smart. He predetermines his route. Like he 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 can read the defense and what coverage they're in and just predetermines what he has to do because he knows he knows if they're pressed up on him, he can't go anywhere. The,
0: the problem is he would do everything right to that point and then was still so slow in his breaks, it wouldn't matter. And he would still be covered afterwards. <laughs> yeah. It's like, well, you know, I mean, you did everything right to that point. So that's where the athleticism like really confused me. Cause it's like, you have leverage, you have everything. Why do you not have the athleticism and the quickness to just pull away from this defender? I honestly can't tell you unless that athlete, cause if you watch, I remember I actually watched that combine during, or that. Forty during the combine. I just happened to be watching at that time, and he saw the. Uh, I actually have it here. He saw the four four three, and was legitimately like pissed. And I was like looking at it, like pissed at myself, like you know, like how did I get this so wrong? And he's pissed, like why was I not faster? And I was like, the fuck are you talking about, Charlie Jones? I was expecting you to be like a four six dude. Like,
1: yeah, he's, everybody's like, you're, you're yeah.
0: He doesn't do anything. I have no idea where that came from, but. uh ha- Hats off to you, Beans. I don't understand it. I still don't think he's that good. But he's definitely not like, I'm going to make fun of you bad anymore.
1: He will be a good, like, depth piece. Like, if you guys need, like, a Justin Watson replacement, I think this is the guy.
0: I, I had an all caps on his profile. Needs to test well. And then he And did. he
3: did. So, <laughs> and like, he did. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> Fuck. I, I don't know what
0: to do with you now. That's what I, usually when you, I put that on your profile and you don't. Like it's so easy. Like oh you know well, you're just shitty, So it,
1: It's crazy after he tested well. He went from a 7th round drafted receiver to a 6th round drafted receiver. So
3: <laughs> He is soaring up the boards. <laughs> 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 he is tell the some late. Need for yeah.
1: Is he a, good so, son too? Is he a I, gym rat? I mean, I mean,
0: come on, Sam. He's a white slot receiver at Purdue. He's, course, he's, he's a
1: guy's right. guy. He's a guy's, he's a football he's a guy. guy. Yeah. I,
0: yeah. I actually listened to a podcast. It's a player profilers podcast. and They've been referring to him as uh, Charlie football. So there you go.
1: <laughs> I am really big on this guy. And so I love that so many more are just like jumping on the Charlie Jones hype train. Yeah, I feel like he's just gonna become a meme in the oh, fantasy community oh, at this point. Oh, by the
0: way, if you guys want to watch a clinic, like um, you don't want to like pay for watching film or anything, and you want to just like figure out things, watch Marvin Mims run a clinic on how to not find uh, whole <laughs> zone coverage. It is incredible. It is like um, you know, every single person has attraction because of gravity, except Marvin Mims. Apparently, is so fucking small that it's just like. Every other person on the field is the sun, and he just can't fucking escape the gravity of the defenders. He just sucked in instead of like breaking into open space or doing anything that would be helpful in zone coverage. He's just like, I need to identify a defender and go sit on their hip. That is what is going to help my quarterback the most here. It is awesome watching him. I was kind of dumbfounded. It was so like terrible. That, All right, yeah, gentlemen. I'm very excited. We
2: have any last thoughts on these top fives. I thought we were not far apart. I thought we were all like, we're very chalky. None of us had any like real opinions. Yeah. yeah.
0: I, I felt like last year it was much, much easier for me to make strong opinions on my top five. I don't feel like that this year at any. Yeah. Position, honestly, this, that, we, that we talked That's about. because this
1: is such a, a defensive heavy draft and an offensive heavy draft, like, like offensive, honestly, line, yeah. offensive line, offensive line and it's deep it's, yes the I problem
2: is there's a lot of it's uh, not as it's exciting a lot of mid and it's a a lot of the players are mid and there's a lot of mid players yeah, yeah. like it's there's like eight dudes like for the wide receiver like i feel pretty good about the top 3 wide receivers even to the, even to 4 like once you get to like wide receiver 5 it's like there's eight dudes and like you can pick any Wait. of them I think and this is if you wanted to, you could pick you could really just, you know, p- put them in any winner that isn't JSN not at one.
1: Yeah, I think this is going to be the year of like hidden talent. Like you're going to find like somebody in the seventh that like, you know, easy to say Pacheco. But like there's going to be like I, I feel like there's going to be a lot more Pacheco's out there this year if they get that chance the same it's, way he did.
2: Just because of the covid stuff, man, there's right. just way yeah. more players in this draft than normal. It's just so deep.
0: Yep. And I, there's nothing that frustrates me more. And like, I'm glad I do it in a way because it kind of like flags that you're doing something right. But I hate like when nobody's looked at the draft stuff and like the fantasy football season ends, I go like, look at, I like watch Zay Flowers and like, Oh, holy shit. I really like this guy like look around like oh nobody's really talking about him but it's january so of course nobody's talking about him and then yeah. like i'm like oh I, i'm gonna like be able to grab this guy like super late and then we have him as our consensus for and it doesn't matter today yeah <laughs> so, it'll be a
2: late it'll be a late first round rookie draft pick
0: yeah well he'll if be a late first round NFL draft pick as well
2: yeah probably
0: but Beans had him ranked at four or at his fourth wide receiver, so I know he won't take him at six because that would be the right thing to do after the top three receivers are off the board. Beans is absolutely going Charlie Jones at six because that's how he ranked them today.
2: That's why Beans traded for the three twelve, so that way he can just take Charlie Jones at the end of the draft. Yep. Charlie
1: Jones is
0: Mr. Irrelevant, just like reeks correctness.
1: Uh- <laughs> <laughs> God, I, yes.
2: <laughs> All right, gentlemen. This podcast has gone on long enough. Way too long. Anyone, Holy I shit. Anyone, I don't think yeah. anyone can handle any more of us. I
1: think that should attest to how much fun we've been having.
2: I think it attests to the fact that I said we should have done top threes instead of top fives. And I think that's true. To be I
1: fair, mean. we talked way too long about college basketball.
2: Yeah. I would disagree. I think the college basketball was the more interesting story, but to each their own. That's why it's a great show, and hopefully you enjoy it. It's not quite three hours, but it's damn close. (laughs) And that was our final word from Sydney. We went on too long. Sydney is tired and wants to go to the dog park. I hope I didn't make her want to go to the dog park now.
1: Sydney, you want to go to the dog park? You want to go for a walk? Oh, yeah, you would go for a walk.
2: Oh, oh. Ride in the car. You want to go for a ride in the car, Sydney? Oh. Oh, shit. Oh, oh, oh. shit. <laughs> now that we thoroughly ruined Gavin's night, we'd like to thank our sponsor of this video, no one, because we don't have sponsors. <laughs> Please follow us at underscore underscore F3S. That's underscore underscore F3S on Twitter. And consider going into our profile link and collecting some merch. You can get merch for our shrub jersey or even some salmon on stuff coming soon. If anything, please like and subscribe to this podcast or share it or do nothing. We're not in control of you. We're just trying to make it in this world. If you would like to join the show, please contact us on Twitter or any of us if you know us personally. We need guests for content because we're not that interesting. Thanks again for everyone listening. And we really appreciate it. Good night to you or good morning. God bless and see you next time.